Wake up, wake up, wake up. It is good to see you. Damon Bruce, Larry Kruger, welcome on back. Look, it is a vacation week for the most of you, but for Larry and I, there are no days off. No days off. No days. Okay. What's going on, man? How are you? It is, uh, let me tell you, it was a rough afternoon, clearly, for the 49ers. Well, I guess I should say evening. That was a night game. Rough night on Christmas for the Niners. It has been an even tougher week for 49ers fans online. I have never seen (laughs) a bunch of bandwagon hopping, get me out of here. I, I, you know, even though Kyle Shanahan has had a long winning streak this year, two five game at least winning streaks, the longest, one of the longest winning streaks dating back to last year in franchise history, there are people jumping. I mean, faithful, <laughs> right? Faithful? I mean, running for the hills. You're saying they're running for the hills. Uh, Larry, it's amazing. I, you know, and I really thought that, you know, what's the whole point of watching us, right? You watch us to, to learn something, or do you just watch us to get angry and throw things at your television? Like, I, I don't understand. Like lessons, should have been learned throughout this football season that might have been applied to that loss to the Ravens. But there is a serious whiff of panic amongst the fan base that really shouldn't be panicking like this. You can still be the one seed for Christ's sakes. I know. I know. I, I And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a game they technically had to have. Um, obviously, they wanted it. But, um, you know, the sky is not is not falling. I mean, at the end of the day, this is the NFL. Uh, anybody can beat anybody. They're the best team in the AFC. They had a great game plan, and Lamar was phenomenal. In my opinion, we went into that game. We talked about it a lot, um, that the that the MVP would be defined by that football game, and I thought it was, and I really think it's Lamar. I mean, um, you know, statistically, he doesn't have as good a year as Brock, but you know what? He's doing. He's playing at a very, very high level. They're winning games. And I thought he locked it up. And if it's not him, then it's probably got to be CMC. And if it's not CMC, then maybe you go off the deal and you go with Tyreek Hill. But I think Brock, with the way he played in that game, you know, coughed up his chances at the MVP. That's one. Two, credit Lamar for everything they did offensively because their running backs are not good. And their receivers outside of Flowers ain't that much better. And their line is dinged up. It's Lamar on offense, the Lamar, Lamar, Lamar show. Uh, not that he doesn't have any help, but he's just what he's doing right now is amazing. And then on defense, credit that young defensive coordinator, uh, Mike McDonald. Uh, he had a great game plan. He r- understood Brock Purdy's tendencies and he, um, you know, defended the space at a really, really high level. And we can get into exactly how he did it, but there were a couple wrinkles that, are very interesting. So interesting, Damon, that uh, Kyle Van Noy, the Ravens linebacker, has gone on his podcast saying that similarly to Nick Bosa saying that the Niners had Jalen Hurts's, you know, had the, the the script on how to beat Hurts. He feels like the Ravens put out the script on how to beat the Niners, and we can talk about exactly what that script is today because um, I think he might be kind of right, and I'm and I, I'm interested to see what Sunday brings to see how the Niners adjust. Well, I would like to hear about those things, too. I have not heard the Kyle Van Noy podcast, so you're going to have to illuminate me as to what is going on, what he thinks the Ravens have found. I will also say that if he even has found something, 
you better be as talented as the Ravens to execute it defensively. And I don't think there are a lot of football teams that are capable of being as talented as the Ravens are defensively. Beyond any of that, a big part of that is turning over the starting quarterback four times. Like that, and 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 we all know that some of those turnovers were not just, oh, that was great defense. There was an awful lot of football happenstance that sort of had happened Absolutely. with some of those those turnovers. So um I, I would like to know more about what Kyle Vanoy believes the Ravens have handed the rest of the NFL in terms of a blueprint to slow down Kyle to beat Brock to take out the Niners. Okay, so he didn't specify what exactly they're doing. He just said that he felt like they provided a blueprint. So we have to kind of guess along with what exactly he's referring to. Four turnovers. Flukish, a, a flukish amount of turnovers is a part of their blueprint? Well, no, I think, you know, you know who really nailed it this week is Ted Wynn. I don't know if you know Ted Wynn. I do know Ted. He's a very good breakdown guy. I, yeah. I like Ted's work an awful lot. Yeah, Ted, well, Ted is, you know, a, a really sharp guy, and I've known him for a few years. And and anyway, he works for The Athletic and wrote a phenomenal piece that I would encourage everybody to go check out. And basically, he just pointed out that, you know, the Ravens like to send pressure up the middle. But in this game, they did that on that first drive with Roquan and, Kyle, and uh, Purdy threw in behind him to Kittle for a big gainer. And that they adjusted, that McDonald adjusted, and he brought edge pressure. Um, <clears throat> and that edge pressure, because the Niners play with a lot of condensed for, uh, formations, the corners right there and was being able to get home on the quarterback. Then they were dropping players into the middle of the field. They already have a lot of talented players in the middle of the field, but then they were dropping players into the middle of the field, trying to guess Purdy's, you know, Purdy's windows. And they were crowding his windows, and Brock even said it afterwards. He said, yeah, the windows were tight. Um, so they did a real good job of understanding where he wanted to throw, when he wanted to throw, um, and they cr and they just, you know, they just put it, – it's, it's not that complicated, right? You find out where Brock wants to throw, and you make sure you've got defenders sitting in those windows, and they did their homework, um, and we're going to find out. If, and they got pressure, forced the ball out, jumped all the underneath routes. I think Brock was like 4 or 14 on the short stuff. And then um, so the Niners with zone then. Well, I think, no, I think the, I think the game plan might be um, to, to edge pressure with corners and force Brock to throw it somewhere besides the middle of the field. If you're going to put all these defenders in the middle of the field, whether it be zone or man, you know, if you're going to try to have cheat in the middle of the field and, and sit in those, sit in those spots, then he's got to adjust. Kyle's got to adjust more corner routes, more out routes, stuff outside the numbers, um, you know, different angles, um, you know, fewer anticipation throws in the middle of the field. Um, if, if you know, they're sitting on the routes, like one of the things that was real clear to me and I, because of the holiday, I didn't study this film like I normally would, but I did watch the all 22. And the one thing that stood out to me, Damon was that Kyle Hamilton on a lot of those drops, really was in position like he was reading the receivers, but he always had his eyes on Purdy. And you mm -hmm. can kind of see the angle of his helmet. He's always studying Purdy. So I just think he got a deep drop, uh, was aware of the routes, you know, and then he would be there if one of his corners got really burned. But otherwise, he was totally dedicated to just jumping every, every in-breaking route in the middle of the field, 
going either direction. So I thought it was a good adjustment. Now, can the commanders do that to the 49ers? The Ravens are uniquely skilled in that Roquan, Patrick Queen. Uh, they played Darby outside and they moved Marlon Humphrey inside. Hamilton. These guys are great players. A lot, almost all those guys are Pro Bowl caliber players. So those, that's what they have in the middle of the field. But uh, the commanders do have Cameron Curl. They do have Kaliki Hudson and Barton, and they've got some some you know underneath defenders. But I think it's going to be interesting to see if the Niners a see that kind of pressure this week off the edges, um, you know, blitzes, five man, six man pressures from the corner from the slot, and then if so, where does Brock go with the ball? Right. The thing that I think scares me the most about you know, any element of the commanders being up here on the schedule at this point in the season, we all know that the Niners are the same much as many times, much, 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 much. They're a much better football team. They're better constructed. They're better coached. They're better executed. They got a better roster. They're better all the way around. The thing that to me makes the commanders dangerous is Riverboat Ron literally has nothing to do but pushes chips all in and just go bonkers. I mean, you could be looking at zero blitz 15 times in this game. I mean, why wouldn't the commanders just throw out all the rules of football to try to just disrupt everything possible? The fake punt, the onside kick to begin the game. That is a franchise with absolutely nothing to lose. And I guess that that makes them dangerous. What is also a little bit of a wrinkle that maybe the Niners weren't expecting after watching Sam Howell start every single game for the commanders this year is they will not be playing against Sam Howell. Jacoby Brissett, who... Larry, I, I got to be completely honest. Until I saw his name announced as the starting, I didn't even know that Jacoby Brissett was still in the league. I didn't know who he was rostered by. Yeah. Now, I, will, I, I also have to say that thanks to more than decades of not mattering and Daniel Snyder being just so dislikable, I know less about the Washington Commanders than maybe any other team in football. <laughs> I'll just admit that right now. I mean, right, I have to right, tell right. you that, you know, Brian Robinson Jr. is a decent running back. I, I I think that Terry McLaren is a good, you know, wide receiver. But but for fantasy football, I'm not even really familiar with them. I do not watch Commander's football. I didn't watch much Redskins football at the end of that tenure. I, I, this is a team that I will readily admit I don't know much about, but I know that they're bad and the Niners are are not bad, but a team with nothing to lose is a dangerous football team. So um, well, th this is the details on. I mean, obviously, we know Brissett's been in the league for a while, but they right. benched Sam Howell. He had started the first 15 games um, and he just, you know, he was sacked a ton. I mean, he was sacked 60 times um, from weeks four through 10. Howell threw 14 touchdown passes, four picks, but he led the NFL with over 2000 yards passing um and and so he you know in, in that period of time but he was he had been sacked in NFL high 60 times so well and I, that, I actually read an article Larry that says they didn't they're not benching Sam Howell because they don't like him they're benching Howell because they do and they just right. don't want to take any more punishment this year well exactly I mean he, and I think you can tell in the last few weeks that he's like mentally fried he's been benched in each of the past two games Brissett right. each time came off the bench and rallied the commanders um, in fact, in Brissett's first first five, uh, five drives in those fourth quarter, in those uh, games, Washington finished with touchdowns. So 
he gave them a huge lift and the commanders came back. They were down 28, seven against the Rams and they ultimately lost 28, 20 in on December 17th. And then last week, Brissett entered down 27, seven against the jets and guided the team to a 21, nothing run near rally. So, yeah. So, you know, he's, he's going to step in. He's the veteran Um, that they're, they're, you know, you know, for them though, they've got a banged up offensive line. And uh, the 49er defensive line hungry on the other side. So right. that should be major advantage Niners. And, you know, and I we'll was see. thinking, though, I was thinking, you know, Jacoby Brissett had the certainly the air of mobility around him when he was in New England. Then when he gets to Indianapolis. But those that that's years ago. I don't know if Joby Jacoby Brissett is quite the athlete that he used to be. Who among us are right. So um, I, I don't know if he is a, a dual threat in a way that they have been uh, you know, concerned about dual threat quarterbacks and have done a pretty good job playing against dual threat quarterbacks this year, but that's normally a blind spot for the 49ers defensively. I don't know if that's something that they need to worry about. Let's be completely honest. This should be an overwhelming afternoon of 49ers football. It really should be if everything goes according to plan, if everything goes according to the script. But expect Ron Rivera to just throw the kitchen sink at you. I mean, because there's no reason not to. Their season is all but over. And the only role they can play is spoiler. So they'd love to play that role. Oh, yeah. And and Brian Robinson, who's nicked up, is going to go in this game. And he's a good back. And McLaurin, as you mentioned, is a really good receiver. And Curtis Samuel's an NFL receiver. And the Penn State kid's not bad. So, I mean, they've got guys. Um, but as far as their, their defense, it's amazing. They got some really, really unique numbers when you look at their defensive profile. They're dead last in the NFL in points allowed per game. They give mm-hmm. up 30.2 points per game, but they're sixth in yards allowed. How about that? That's not a, that's not a, sp- I mean, give you by comparison, the 49ers are third in the NFL in points allowed. They give up 17.8 and they're 11th in yards. So they, right. you know, they've given up more yards and points. They, that means they kind of, you know, they bow up in the red zone and right. so, correlates. Yeah. But 32nd in points and sixth in yards. So that basically means that their offense has has turned the ball over a lot deep in their own territory. And so that's what's kind of imploded their season. And if you look at their turnover differential, they're minus 10. That's 31st in the NFL. Um, they only have seven interceptions all year. That's 29th in the NFL. Their pass D is two is 31st ranked in the NFL. So do they not and but they're 23rd against the run. So they're not great against the run either. The the, the thing is the Niners should put up 35 and win this game going away. Uh, but we'll see, because the one thing that when you do see a team that's 4-11 and 11 and you see that they're 31st in the NFL in turnover turnover differential, they're minus 10 on the year, uh, that probably has a lot to do with the, with Sam Howell and the, you know, the rookie quarterback. Now that they have Brissett in there, they're taking care of the football. You know, that, could, that, that little thing could come back to, uh, you know, back to the mean the mean or whatever it is right. uh, you know and and suddenly they're plus two in turnovers i mean it's just like this ravens game if well if the commanders are plus two in turnovers it could be a long day yeah no you, you don't want to lose turnover battles you just don't it, it has never been a good way to win a football game in the nfl all those defensive numbers you know, this is a team that let go of Jack Del Rio as their defensive coordinator, and they did that like a week or two after they traded away their best defensive players, which I thought was a 
sort of a, a rough outcome for Jack Del Rio. It's like, we're going we're gonna to trade away your two best defensive linemen, and then we're going to fire you. I mean, that's, that, that, that's a rough way to go about a season, but it just sounds like it's been a defensive disaster. Maybe not even all the fault of the defense, like you just said. You got an offense putting you in short fields and bad positions. I can't even tell you who the, the commander's punter or kicker is. I mean, I could look it up. But again, here's the thing. We, we know enough stuff to not have to pretend about the things we don't know. And I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. I am unfamiliar with the commander's it is the 49ers job to be more familiar than I am with the commanders. And, and look, I think that they got the right coach to do it. And I do think that that Ravens game will provide, you know, uh, if there were ever a guys, we got to be better game to work from for Kyle Shanahan. It was that one, you know, he's still going to be coaching against the Ravens when he's got the team out there against the commanders. They've got a, they've got some, that isn't us. That's not who we are. And we're going to put who we are back on film for everybody. Motivation this week, you would think. And they got two games to win, Larry. I mean, that's the thing. There's, there, there, there's no wiggle room in the Niners season. They control their own destiny and can be home for the playoffs. They don't have to leave the West Coast time zone again this entire football season if they win their next two games. So that all starts with Washington. I think it's a, I, I I think it's a chalk it up to a win, and I will be stunned, and I might be some of the, you know, the unfaithful hopping off that bandwagon. If this team were to lose in Washington, it would absolutely reframe all of my expectations for them. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, <clears throat> they should win thirty-five to six. You know what yeah. I mean? The, this should be a real blowout. This 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 commander's team is circling the drain, and um and but 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 for Jacoby Brissett, you know it's like he's a veteran, um you know it's, it's he's he's definitely done good things for them. Um, he's got a full arsenal of, of good receivers. I mean, Terry McLaurin takes a backseat to nobody. Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel. These are good players. Logan Thomas, good player. Brian Robinson, good player. So it's the NFL. The Niners are going to have to play a clean game, but if they come out, uh, they should be able to take advantage of a Washington team that's, you know, with their backup quarterback, three banged up offensive linemen, uh, playing out the string. On defense, you know, when I asked Brock about it yesterday, I said, you know, what stands out about their D on film? He said 94-93. Jonathan Allen is 93. Deron Payne is 94, and they're both in the middle of the defense, they were first round picks and back to back years, 17 and 18. And, um, you know, they don't have chase young they don't have Montez sweat. Um, but they do have some speed at linebacker and, and, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see. I mean, it's just going to be really about the same things, you know, that they struggled with this last week. They got to take care of the football. They got to protect their quarterback and they got to, you know, they've got to make sure that they, they get after Brissett a little bit up front. And if they do that, they should win this thing going away. You think that uh, Shanahan, Steve Wilkes are sitting Chase Young down in a special just the three of us lunch to go over some institutional knowledge he might have of the franchise? That's always possible. That's always possible. We asked Chase. We did a little interview with him earlier this week. Uh, he said he's really eager to get back. We said, what are you most eager to do when you get back? And he's like, I've got uh, three dogs that I haven't seen since I was traded. He's like, I want. <laughs> I want to spend Saturday with my dogs. Thought that was kind of interesting, but um, you know, it, it's it's 
it's a business trip. He's looking at it as just another game. You know, everybody's trying. It's hilarious, too, because everybody's around him trying to play the touchy feely. Hey, do you have some friends and guys in the other team? You know, like it's a like it's a Boy Scout sleepover or something. He's like, well, you know, watch out for Cameron Curl. He did say that the safety. Um, But, you know, I mean, watch out for him like that guy parties. Watch out for him. (laughs) Yeah. No, he was talking in a football sense strictly. But, yes, he's like, you know, watch out for uh, for Cameron Curl back there. So we'll see. Uh, it, you know, it's not a it's not a great commander's defense. I mean, ha, as those numbers uh, represent, you know, that you know when you're thirty second points allowed, you're giving up thirty a game. Um, and Jacoby Brissett's not helping you there. So uh, we'll we'll see. I I think this sets up for a, a 49er, you know, one sided win. But it's the NFL, man, and anything can happen. So. You know, there's been an awful lot of reaction to the terrible game against the Ravens. And I think you and I both agree that Brock Purdy played himself off that MVP one line. There is a possibility with two overwhelming performances, he could reappear. But it feels like Lamar Jackson has got an awful lot of overwhelming uh, uh, momentum behind him right now. And and all the talent that was scored against Brock is being scored for Lamar in any sort of MVP conversation because he has so little talent around him in comparison to Brock Purdy, or maybe, you know, Matthew Stafford entered the MVP conversation this week. They're scoring tons of points. Yeah. I mean, they got Puka and and Stafford throwing the rock, Kyron Williams running it, and then you got Higby. And then you got Cooper Cup and Puka and Tutu. Um, you know, they the Rams are real, man. The Rams they have are. scored 30 points a lot recently, and that's going to be a massive challenge for the 49ers defensively going into that game. You know, though, the numbers on, on Stafford are, you know, they're, they're not bad, but they're not MVP numbers. He's 3,600 yards, 23 touchdowns, nine interceptions. And again, you know, the way that, Brock has got all that talent around him, so he can't be the MVP. Matthew Stafford doesn't have to operate in that in that in that world because he is devoid of the concept of system quarterback based on his actual talent, where he was drafted, and the fact that he's been in two systems. One smothered him, the other to allow him to spread his wings and fly. But that's a system with a state-of-the-art head coach like Sean McVay, which I haven't, you know, as 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 Matthew Stafford's name has entered the chat, Larry, I haven't heard anyone bring up, well, Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell are all three really good players. And by the way, Kyron Williams is leading the NFL in you know yards per game right now. It feels like the things that get scored against Brock, because it's easy to underestimate the last pick in the draft, are not being scored against Matthew Stafford. And then other things like, you know, statistics and team record are completely thrown out the window in this conversation. I don't understand why Brock has to be out of the conversation to make room for Stafford to be in the conversation when Dak has more yardage, more touchdowns, and two only two more picks than Matthew Stafford. I mean, I just, it's, it's so overreactionary. We can't take one game and try to make an MVP argument or disqualify someone from that argument based on one game, no matter how good or bad it really was. It's just like the Heisman Trophy discussion. It's just like a discussion that goes back and forth and back and forth. Um, and and it's just, 
this week it's this guy, this week it's that guy. I mean, the Ravens play the Dolphins this week. If Lamar has a huge game, he may, uh, you know, jump out in front. If Lamar has a bad game, he may fall back. Um, if Tyreek lights it up, then he'll, you know, jump forward and just, you just never know. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things at this point where it sounds like it's, you know, horses head bobbing down the stretch, but at the end of the day, I don't, I think it's totally secondary. Um, the whole, the, the real race is for the Super Bowl, and all this stuff is just, right. I mean, it's nice filler talk, but it's just filler. And well, I, I, I don't really think that, I mean, the Niners have two legitimate MVP candidates, but if you to ask me who I would vote for, I would vote for Lamar because I don't like the, the weapons that he has around him. His line's totally beat up. He's carrying his team to the best record in the AFC. The AFC, if anything, to me, based on what I've seen, looks like it may have the best teams. So, I mean, they're the best play. He's the best player on the best team in the better conference. He'd get my vote right now. How about just giving it, though, to Christian McCaffrey? Because it feels like if you did, we would we would kill two birds with one stone. We would offer up an MVP candidate that I don't think a lot of people could poke holes in. Like, all you need to do is look at Christian McCaffrey's season, and you're like, okay, all right. And number two, it would turn the award into something other than just a who is the best quarterback conversation. And I do think that the NFL's MVP award deserves to be more than one position group. Uh, I agree. It should literally be the best player in the uh, in the league, but it's become a quarterback award. So I think Brock still has a, sh- a real shot at it because yeah. he's got the best numbers. He's got the best numbers still. He's number one in most categories. For quarterbacks, even with that bad game of his, I mean, here's the thing: if 3,600 yards, 23 touchdowns, nine interceptions, and those are Stafford's numbers, could qualify him for the MVP. What about 3,600 yards, 20 touchdowns, only five interceptions? You know who that is? That's really another one-man army himself. That's C.J. Stroud. C.J. Yeah, Stroud. I mean, great you, you can make an argument that C.J. Stroud is doing more to get his team into the win column all by himself than anyone. You know, I mean, at least Lamar has a Super Bowl winning coach to lean on. Stroud is leaning on a rookie head coach who might be the coach of the year, who, who could be the coach of the year. You would think that yeah. he would be a, a well, a maybe not. Candidate. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, you know, but yeah, I would vote for D'Amico. I mean, I think. They won three games last year. This um, isn't going to win me any uh, uh, fans here in the chat room, but you know who might be the MVP with his 3,900 yards, 30 touchdowns, and only seven interceptions if he plays really well in the last two weeks? Those are Dak's numbers. Yeah. but I mean, Dak's got some really good numbers, Larry. He does. He definitely has really good numbers. Um, you know, to me, though, I, when, I, when I see that, I mean, just the fact – the head-to-head with the Niner game was just an unbelievable nightmare game for him. I just have that etched in my memory. So I have a hard time. You know, he had three picks. He was kind of the reason they lost, um, you know. But, and I, and I, you know, my also my disdain for the Cowboys. I don't really believe in the Cowboys. I mean, they're 7-0 and at home. They blow people away at home. They're 3-5 and on the road. Um, you know, it's, they've, they've lost two in a row down the stretch. The Niners beat him, hung 40 on them. They run the ball on them every single time. They stop Dallas's run every single time. I don't know. Da- Dallas. I don't, I don't have fear a lot Dallas. Of that's for sure. I don't yeah. fear them, but that's a team that can, well, you're Dak's not got good numbers. You. Yeah. He's got good numbers. 
for the year. For the year. For, yes, for the year. And that's I mean, if it was just about MVP. numbers, I think it would be CMC. You know, he's been fantastic. But you know, the, the running back, uh, you know, it's just that seems like it's a quarterback award. It's been a quarterback award. It would seem funny to change it right now to all of a sudden it's not a quarterback award. Why? Because Brock Purdy was drafted last, you know, and, and he's got the best numbers. So we'll see. But I mean, I personally, you know, I thought Lamar, if Lamar has a big, big game against the Dolphins, I think it's his. I, I do, too. I do, too. I, I I think that if he has a not only if the Ravens win, but if he has a day where his numbers are even above his his average It'll be his. I just think that there's a groundswell of support for Lamar right now. And and why wouldn't there be? That team's got the best record in football. And it's How about Joe Flacco last night? I mean, a lot of people talk about Joe Flacco, Damon. I mean, look at the, the Browns suddenly. The Browns are 11-5. and five. They're 8-1 and one at home. Flacco, who won the Super Bowl MVP against the Niners in New Orleans, 309 yards last Super night. Super Bowl runs ever, by the way. Yeah. Three touchdowns and 309 yards last night, and he's playing really well, and they're playing really well. And it's like they've got a really good defense. And, yeah, Flacco is, um, you know, at this point 38, but he's still 6'6", 230. He's got a gun. I mean, look at some of these passing. These are the yards he's thrown for. First game, 254 yards. Then 311 yards, 374 yards, 368 yards, and 309 yards. And he had all those numbers in the first half of of yesterday's game, right? So I mean, 13 touchdowns, eight picks in his in his game this year. So look, I I don't think there's an MVP conversation for him because you can't walk in out of nowhere. But who who maybe is more valuable than the guy who walks in off the street that gets you into the playoffs and it looked like that wouldn't happen? Uh, let me ask you this, though, Larry, because MVP won't be Flacco's. Could he be the comeback player of the year? Can you start five or six games and still qualify yourself as the NFL comeback player of the year? I think he could. Yeah, but he, there's this guy, DeMar Hamlin, that uh, is going to win that award going away. But why? Because people feel bad about that? I mean, they're, they're, why? Yeah, I know. Why? That's, is DeMar Hamlin having a because better he, more Because he almost died on the field and sure, he's playing the next year and, and they've got such huge... If you yeah, come back from near death, the award is automatically yours. I thought football had to do something because find me a more disappointing team than the Bills. Well, I, I you know, <laughs> I'd have to look at who's on the list, but I would imagine DeMar gets it. I mean, heck, I mean, if you wanted to say come back, Brock Purdy tore his elbow out and and he's going to be he's in the MVP race this year. How's he not in the comeback player of the year award? I mean, it's <laughs> also, says, Hi there with the poop emoji is his uh, thing says because he. Almost died. You can't beat that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I mean, I, I guess that's Smiley Dan says Hamlin barely has a roster spot. I know, but I mean, he did almost die on the field and he is back. I don't know. Look up the ad- odds on that. Maybe I can find that for us. The Jimmy Shapiro lines on. Uh... Look at it this way. I haven't heard DeMar Hamlin's name all year. So don't tell me he's having like some great year. I'm happy that he's still with us. You know, I mean, I, you know, let's yeah, let's tread lightly on this one. Come no, yeah, I, but I just I, I I that that is is he worthy of comeback player of the year when Joe Flacco is literally, you know, come back from the professional dead 
Yeah, Demar Hamlin is currently the favorite. All right. Um, he but that feels it feels like an emotional vote more than it's like an actual did he what has he done what these are the guys here? on the list are damar hamlin joe flacco baker mayfield matthew stafford Tua tagavailoa and damar is the is the favorite right now it feels a little performative i'm not gonna lie <laughs> it's a very unpopular take but it's a hot one it's a hot take is it a hot take I mean, if if, if, if comeback player of the year, the guy almost ready. died on the field for crying out loud. Everybody, everybody, you know, people that don't know nothing about the NFL, you know, are walking around praying for Demar Hamlin. I mean, if this, the fact that this guy came back this year, I mean, this is just locks Joe it Flacco. Up. Joe Flacco is literally calling teams at the beginning of the year. No one's even interested. Who was praying for him, Larry? Yeah. I mean, it should be, I mean, really, if uh, in a football sense, it should be for sure Flacco. Okay, well, for that's sure. why I'm here over here talking about football sense. I'm not talking about warm feelings and fighting. I know, emotions. but, you know, you, know, it's, you know the way things are. I mean, it's just, you know, DeMar yeah, Hamlin almost fun. died. People know about it. There's like, you know, there's going to be like a Disney after school special about it. And um, that's it. He's going to win it. Hey, I had a stroke. I almost died. Nobody gave a shit. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> You deserve the uh, you know Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Comeback Player of the Year award. Seriously, I didn't get a broadcaster comeback player. The broadcaster. Here's another thing I didn't get. That Larry. would be awesome if you were honored as a comeback player of the year. Well, here's the thing. Tolbert scooped me because while I was laying in the damn hospital with my stroke, he had his heart attack and his thing. So, I mean, I just your thing was just nothing. Yeah, seriously. I, I, like, I, you might as well have just had like you know bunions or something. Give that award to give that award to Tom Tolbert. <laughs> he out serioused you. He really did. He really, really did. But it's look, uh, look all I, we care about is that both you guys are healthy and back with us. That's all that really matters. That's all that really matters. That's all that matters. These two guys are still in the game. Did you see, by the way, um the Warriors gave like a couple tickets to Murph and Mac? And like gave like uh, now I don't know if this was new. What do you mean a couple tickets? Or, or I don't I don't know if these were old pictures that were put forward, but it feels like the Warriors got Murph and Mac together and gave like Murph a jersey or Mac a jersey, saying like, "Hey, thanks for all the years of broadcasting and all that stuff." And and he was really beloved. You know who wasn't? Me, apparently, because I was <laughs> literally the afternoon drive host on your flagship <laughs> station who got laid off. I didn't get a jersey. I didn't get a hug from Raymond Ritter. Nobody gives a fuck. No, no. <laughs> Nobody. Well, True Blue Fab, thank you, True Blue. I do appreciate that. Yeah, True Blue says, we care, Damon. We care. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Like I got a lot of people on here saying, we care, Damon. We care. Damon. There's a few people here who don't care. That's for sure. T, T from the 203. So that's, a, that's an outrage, Damon. Outrage. 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 Here we go. Nicotina in the house. Damon Bruce, YouTube comeback sports talk radio personality of the year. I mean, yeah, wait a second. The Bunions of the Year Award. Thank you. You wouldn't believe the bunions this man came back from. <laughs> this I guy had the, he had to have him shaved. He had to have him assaulted. Have you ever seen though, you know, those, those uh, channels that show surgery, bunion surgery is one of the most, your skin's going to crawl surgical procedures I've ever seen. I can't, you can't watch it. It's, oh my God, it's terrible. Something I about try not to watch better. any surgeries. Actually, I'm doing fair pretty, enough. My, I'm, I'm a surgery virgin at this point. I, I don't, I, 
you are know. you living a surgery free life larry no i mean have i had a surgery yes i've had i've had back surgery because uh -oh. i had a disc disc problem um what else i think that might be my only oh i had my tonsils out when i was a kid it's a very serious surgery very and here serious. you are still talking for a living it's amazing it's it really absolutely is. amazing hey i want to talk about a couple of other quarterback names wait a second a wait one more jw is this the week where you go to dc and bang some dc moms <laughs> jw look All at right. it this way i mean that's that that's that's really getting around the nfc east you bang the Eagles fans' moms, then you bang the Commanders fans' moms. You already bang the moms of all Cowboys fans. Giants run on the schedule this week. This wasn't a family. Wasn't this a family show? Not really. No, okay. it was really never a family show. I don't think anyone described it at that. Um, <laughs> what do you think is happening in Denver? Come on, mom and dad, gather around. Damon and Larry are talking around the campfire. Ooh, yeah. Do you feel it? You feel this? The embers. Oh, That's yeah, the, we can't up. call it 49ers wake up anymore, so we're calling it bunions and banging. What if we just wake the fuck up? Wake up, dickheads, with Larry and Damon. <laughs> Big um, lot of bowl games today, by the way. I'm fired up for fired yeah, up for some yeah. bowl games today, but I'll be I got a huge day today, man. I'm gonna be everywhere. I got Chase Senior at 1045. I'm on the radio from two o'clock on, but I got I got college football on the brain today. I love the bowl season. I, I'm that guy. I want to congratulate you on the $75 you're going to make this afternoon, by the way. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. If that Clemson, Kentucky in the Gator Bowl today, Oregon State, Notre Dame in the Sun Bowl uh, at 11 a.m., Memphis State and against uh, Brock Purdy's al uh, alma mater, the Iowa State Cyclones in the Liberty Bowl, the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, and tonight, 5 o'clock. Cotton Bowl Classic, Missouri and Ohio State. And if you're, um, if you like, you know, football players for the draft, that's the game to watch. Yeah. Missouri's got an offensive tackle named Javon Foster, who's probably going to go in the third round. To me, he's the sleeper offensive tackle for the Niners in this draft. So watch. And they've got a corner named Rakestraw for Missouri. They also have a linebacker, Tyron Hopper, that, that Missouri's got some real talent. Oh, and we might have a tiger. We might have a tiger in the chat. We got a guy named Eric Wall saying Missouri plays tonight. I'm pumped up. Well, M I Z. Yeah. Z Missouri, I, I like Missouri too. I mean, the Buckeyes are damn good. I don't know about the uh, the wager on that. We'll see. And sometimes the Buckeyes show there. Sometimes they don't. Buckeyes are eleven and one. They're stacked. They're five point favorites. But the quarterback's out for the Buckeyes. Do you, do you see? Uh, do you see the Pop Tart Bowl? Do you see all the memes with the pop tart? Which pop one was that? Which one? <laughs> I didn't see the there, pop there were pop tarts. There's I my my timeline was crawling with highlights from the pop tart bowl, but I can't even tell you who played in the pop tart bowl. All I can tell you is how much run that pop tart costume got. And at the end of the bowl game, to present the trophy, the pop tart bowl champions with their bounty. You know, I mean, right, you, right. You, you win the mayo bowl, you get a a bucket of mayo dumped right, on West here. Virginia's head coach doused in mayo. So guess what happens at the pop tart pop tart bowl? It was K State over NC State in the pop tart bowl. So the pop tart bowl had a big, like three story tall toaster wheeled out into the field, 
and of somebody dressed as a Pop-Tart mascot then jumps on a platform that lowers the Pop-Tart into this grand toaster, and then the Pop-Tart comes sliding out, and it's not the person in the Pop-Tart, but it's an actual now, like, life-size, eight-foot-long Pop-Tart that comes out of this slot, and then the whole team starts snacking on this large Pop-Tart. And that is how you celebrate a victory in the Pop-Tart Bowl, Larry. That's how your grandfather used to do it. So that's how the kids do it these days, too. It's the granddaddy of them all, the Pop-Tart Bowl. Wow. Look at that, the Pop-Tart Bowl. K-State celebrating the Wildcats over NC State. I'll have, to, I'll have to tell T.Y. McGill, his NC State Wolfback. So Steely Dan, Steely Dan, or excuse me, Steely Dan, Smiley Dan, who's always safe, by the way. And by safe, I mean high as fuck. Uh, first <laughs> ever edible trophy. Not true at all. The Orange Bowl used to be oh, full yeah. of actual oranges. Oh, yeah. And they'll they'll throw some oranges around on the sidelines for the Absolutely. guys. The Sugar Bowl used to be a bowl of sugar. So there, yeah, no, there, you can eat sugar, you can eat oranges. So it's not the first ever edible trophy; it's the first ever Pop Tart trophy. That's for what, sure. What's your favorite kind of sugar? White sugar, brown sugar, oh, no, brown uh, sugar, brown uh, sugar, brown powder. sugar. How about a little powdered sugar? <laughs> well, only in powdered Las Vegas, sugar, <laughs> only in Las Vegas. <laughs> but um, uh, no, uh, 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 brown sugar for sure. I like brown sugar in the coffee. Brown sugar is what I put in the pancakes. Brown sugar is what I use to make my uh, French toast dip and mix. So I'm, I'm a, I'm, we're very pro brown sugar here in the Bruce household. There you go. You know, you know your way around the brown sugar. I do. Uh, you know, tiny little bit with some berries. Oh, it's always nice. By the way, there's a reason why the Rolling Stones don't play that song anymore in concert. Why is that? Holy shit, Larry, go go read the lyrics to Brown Sugar. It's about a slave trader raping a slave. Great, great, awesome. There's a reason why the Rolling Stones were like, yeah, Ixnay on the Brown Sugar Yay, which is too bad because it's a great song. But you get into the lyrics of that song and you're like, whoa, wow. okay. That's, that's, Didn't that's know that. tough to pull off in 2023. Okay. <laughs> T from the 203 says powdered sugar all day. Well, he's from Miami, so I know what that means. Powdered sugar on some like French toast. It's hard to beat that. Do you ever see that the uh um they, they did a, a trick there there is an element of cocaine on every single bill being circulated in Southern California? What? That you can find trace amounts of cocaine really on just about every single I think it was a hundred dollar bill. Being, being, you know, in, in, in Miami, maybe not anymore because Can people make their decisions in 2020. Oh, no, this on camera. Uh, trademark refrain. It's a trademark infringement, Larry. Seriously, I had a, uh, our friend, um, well, I don't know if he's your friend. He should be your friend. He should be everybody's friend. This guy named Mark Persante, who's a he's not my, no friend of mine. He's a friend of yours. He's oh, in the okay. chat right now, I believe. Oh, okay. I'm just joking. But he's a Mark, good friend. He's a, he's a dear friend. Yes. I met Mark at a fish show. Many years ago, we traded numbers. He's we've we've remained in touch ever since. He's nice enough to send my boys Christmas gifts and things like that. And he sent me this really cool uh it it it's like a Grateful Dead steal your face, but in the middle of the logo, instead of the lightning bolt, it's it's the 49ers logo. 
And I almost grabbed that to wear on today's show. And then I thought, oh, we'll, we'll get an email from the miners if I do that. So I, I, I'll have to wear it on one of my own shows. Damon, cease and desist. Please cease and desist. Cease and desist. Bunions and banging moms. There you go. Cease and desist. Bring um, on the commanders. Bring on the commanders. Bring on the commanders. One more question. No, I don't the answer NFL. questions. Be, be, about the NFL. You're feeling okay. frisky today, Larry. I can feel it. <laughs> Just, um, this is the way I get when I don't get a lot of sleep. I just get combative and I just start yelling. It's going to be a afternoon on 95.7 The Game, everybody. Be there. Yeah, seriously. Um, Robert, as, I, as I discussed last night's Warrior, <laughs> no Kyle Lowry, no Jimmy Butler, no dude. Caleb Martin, no dude. problem. Heat roll in and roll out. Big winners. Did big you winners. hear? Did you hear Fitz's call? Where at the end of the game, he's like, "Look, there, you know, this league. Some nights these things happen. Like, no, Fitz, you can't play that card tonight. That's a Heat team without Lowry and Butler. For goodness' sakes, come on. Yeah, that was come on. Game. Not a good one last night. Bad. A, it, look, not a stellar performance from uh, from the home home five. If uh, if Steph Curry isn't dropping more than 30 any night, the Warriors aren't losing or the Warriors aren't winning that game. Like it's it's Curry for 30 and then good luck with that. That's how the Warriors win now. And so I don't know I don't know what I mean I know that we're talking Niners but I don't know what Dunleavy's going to do because um if you look at that situation you don't want to move Kuminga. Um but you know what? He's the guy that everybody's going to want. I'd send Wiggins the fucking Santa Cruz. <laughs> I mean, He's, Wiggins. Wiggins has made like two hundred million dollars in his career, so it's like he's he's having a hard time. Seem like seemingly getting it getting it dialed up. He had eleven last night off the bench. Trace Jackson, though, guess what? Trace Jackson now, I believe, has three double doubles. Uh, Kevon Looney, one double double. Yeah, I, I know who I would be starting this whole ceremonial start. This ceremonial dedication to his veterans is what's going to get Steve Kerr fired if he doesn't get if he doesn't start reacting to what is actually happening on his roster, not deploying the lineup based on memories of what his roster used to be. The Warriors are in trouble, Larry. Seriously, they got to play Barbara Streisand at the beginning of you know memories at the beginning of every game because it's like. The starting lineup should be Curry, Pajemski, Kuminga, Trace Jackson Davis, and Draymond when he comes back. That's what I would like to see as the starting lineup. And let Wiggins and Clay uh, come off the bench. Looney off the bench. Uh, you know, why not? I mean, it's like you've got your young guys are carrying you if you would just give them minutes. Moses Moody at 11 points last night. He was plus 10. He only played 13 minutes. You know, and they and they get they get drubbed by by uh, 12 on their home floor by a team that didn't have three or four of their best players. So, ouch! Tyler ouch, Hero just Tyler Hero just absolutely had a game. Yep. Um. You know. So what can you, you should call this Warriors wake up and wait for Joe Lacob's cease and desist. Jaquez. Jaquez was a nice little first round pick, too. It was. By the way, T from the 203 runs the board and produced that Miami Heat game back in Miami last night. So we got a we got a radio guy in the chat room too, Larry. Look at that. Welcome aboard. Good production last night. 
excellent production quality. I, like I heard it was great on the Miami side. Indeed. I like what you do, did there. I really like what you did there. Um, again, you know, it's it's funny. People in the chat room, they just want to show you what they know, whether or not they know it or not. A guy named Alien Jazz Party, going back to Brown Sugar, uh -huh. saying, Damon, it's about heroin. The same as Golden Brown by The Stranglers. Now, I don't know Golden Brown by The Stranglers. Maybe that song's about heroin. I can tell you conclusively that Brown Sugar by The Rolling Stones is not about heroin. And I will read you the Debated. first no, debated on your own terms. I don't, I don't want to talk no, about this. Listen, listen to this, Larry. Gold Coast slave ship bound for cotton fields is the first line of the song. Okay? Do, do we need any more? No, gold, we don't. We gold really Coast don't. slave ship bound for cotton fields sold in a market down in New Orleans. Scared old slaver knows he's doing all right. Hear him whip the women just around midnight. Da, 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 brown sugar yeah it's not about heroin it's not it's definitely not about heroin but thanks for for popping in the chat <laughs> i appreciate you there you go larry's petrified he's like what the hell is going on here uh i wanted to ask you to bring this back to the reason why we're all here to talk about football larry right. um and we saw that the new york jets have already issued the we're running this back uh, Robert Sala is going to lose his job next year. Then instead of this year as head coach of the New York Jets, I don't. I, I, Robert Sala is a good defensive coordinator. I don't think he's a head coach, Larry. Well, it's about a it's a it's a quarterback league, and he doesn't have a quarterback. I, you know, I think that's really what it's about. He's got a pretty good defense. He has a great young receiver. Uh, he just didn't have a quarterback this year. So I mean, that's what happens. I mean, it's like almost without fail, the teams that are good either have great quarterbacks or have quarterbacks having great years. And the teams that are awful have either injured quarterbacks or no quarterbacks. So it's that that's why teams stumble over each other wildly trying to uh, draft the next quarterback and they'll do it again this year. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, they just ultimately they got to find their next quarterback. Speaking of your next quarterback, where do you think Russell Wilson's playing next year? Because it's not going to be Denver. Um, I could see him in a couple spots. I could see, I mean, what's going to happen with the New York situation with uh, the Jets and Giants? Because I could see him in New York and I could see him back in Seattle if you Seattle. Giants. You mean with it could because it's Aaron Rodgers next year for the Jets, right? I, I know, mean, but Aaron Rodgers is thirty nine years old, coming off a off an Achilles tear. I mean, I I, I just don't think that Aaron Rodgers is he going to be is he going to be able to come back from that? I mean, that's just a major comeback. I, I that's that to me that's a major projection. I mean, maybe medical science is at a point where a thirty nine year old guy could get a torn a torn Achilles and come back, but man, you're still playing on that crazy terrible turf. And you're, how long is that going to last? I I don't see good health for Aaron Rodgers in the future, do you? He's not, no. He doesn't play behind a good line. I mean, that line's terrible that the Jets have. So I don't know. I, I don't know what to say about Aaron Rodgers, but I I would say I would pencil him in. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't put it in pen. But I, I would say that, you know, the Giants have shown interest in the past in Russell, and I could see Seattle being interested if they didn't want to go the rookie route. Pete's older. Um, if he was willing to go back there, but I don't know. I'm not sure that they even want him back there. They kind of, they kind of did a whole good riddance thing to him when he left. 
I don't know. I still think that they're, I think they're sort of hoping that Aaron Rodgers comes back and saves everything and everyone. I mean, that's there's the jets are built on a pretty good defense, some talent offensively and awful lot of hope in a guy who's probably a little bit too old to place all your hope in, but going back to Russell Wilson, I'd take him. I'd take him. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not one of these people that believes that Russell Wilson stinks. Well, here's the thing. He's actually starting to play well. He's actually like the, the Denver Broncos got off to a bad start this year. And he's starting to, to laugh. But wait a second. This is like the tweet of the day. Nicotina. I heard the San Francisco Giants are in on Russell Wilson. <laughs> character, they reveal it. Goodbye, everybody. Walk offline. That is the Giants are in on Russell Wilson is the best, funniest thing I've heard all week in sports. Oh, that is awesome. They probably won't land him. Nicotina. Nicotina. Nicotina eats for free this weekend. Oh, that was awesome. Fantastic, Nicotina. Fantastic. That's great. Where's Russell Wilson playing next year? Uh, Chicago? No. No. Why Why do they the Bears keep wanting to putting pe- put people in front of Justin Fields? Just let Justin Fields do his thing, right? Um, how about New England? Maybe New England. Bill Belichick. Well, here's the thing: Is Bill Belichick in New England next year? No, no, he's not. Jason Lockenfora uh, told me last Friday that Belichick will has already kind of indicated to people that he's not going to be there. So is Belichick going he, to take? He says their job. Well, Jason's Jason's thought was that he's not going to take any job and that his next job will be like some kind of like, you know, front office operational. Yeah. I mean, it's a grind, man. He's been doing it a while. Well, that's the thing. He's been doing it for so long. I don't know if he's happy doing anything else. Right. Like that guy is. He's married to the game. He's married to the game. And that's another reason why, and I know Aaron Rodgers is easy to bag on, and a lot of people have bagged on him this week, and I like to bag on Aaron Rodgers too. Aaron Rodgers has no wife, no kids. He's got nothing going on for him other than a conversation with Pat McAfee other than football. He's got nothing in his life other than football. So if there are ever a guy who might be able to come back at that age with that talent, it could be him. But it's still, you're, it's a long shot for sure. Maybe the but, commanders. Maybe the Raiders. Those are the ones I would think of. Commanders, Raiders. Do you think Mark Davis is smart enough to keep Antonio Pierce around, or is he going to get Basaccia and try to go after a bigger name? Oh, I think they're definitely going after a big name. I would say Harbaugh is going to be. They're going to go hard after Harbaugh. I would think Harbaugh started his, you know, NFL coaching career with the Raiders, so there's a relationship there. I think that's the dream. For I mean. That's why you clear out both spots and you're just give Jim keys to the kingdom. I, I could see something like that happening, but he may also, you know, a lot of people are talking about the chargers job, you know, chargers are probably more ready to win. I mean, they've oh, got I'd much rather have that chargers job. If I'm Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Oh yeah. Much rather live in LA than Vegas. I would. Well, there's a price point on the job where it, you know, like money don't matter tonight, no matter where Jim lands. He, he can, he'll, he can have a Beverly Hills mansion. He can live in Bel Air. He's going to get paid enough to live in LA if that's where he wants to live. 
Uh, it, look, you, you can have yourself a really nice life in some of those off the strip suburbs in, uh, in, in, in Vegas. There's, there's some good living to be had in Las Vegas. If you can put up with desert heat. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'd rather go live at, you know, Manhattan beach or something. Wouldn't you rather live? I think I'd rather live on the beaches of Southern California than in, in Las Vegas. If I had my choice. Yeah, I, wouldn't I, mind Jim, roll, I wouldn't mind rolling into Vegas for a weekend. Right. I don't think Jim Harbaugh cares about anything other than I'm coaching this team. I don't think he cares about the beach where he lives, square footage of his house, his wife, <laughs> his kids. I, he just wants his to wardrobe as long as he's got some khakis, right? Khakis. Absolutely. Um, you know what it is? It, you know, we, we don't have very much to say about the 49ers and commanders other than this is a game. The 49ers need to win for a lot of reasons. They're the better team in any way you want to slice it up or measure it. Plus, they need to win their next two games to have their uh, th their home field advantage uh, and, and control their own destiny in the postseason. I did see a name that you and I have been talking about. I've called him more of a rumor than an actual player, but Danny Gray and his practice window has officially opened. Given the fact this team has been looking for someone else to contribute at wide receiver, and they, you know, Ronnie Bell really isn't that guy. Uh, Willie Sneed got called up, got cut, got brought back on the practice squad. He's not that guy. Juwan Jennings is still in the concussion protocol. Might we, Larry, see Danny Gray in an offensive snap before this year is over? I think there's a chance. I really do. Um, I'm looking at Matt Barrows's Twitter right now where he tweets out a video of Gray just running around at, at practice from yesterday. Um, and the Niners opened their pra the practice window. You got Jawan Jennings out with the concussion. Um, you know, that if they need an extra wide receiver, I would love to see Danny Gray out there. I mean, he's got difference-making speed. And to me, it, it's all about you know, can he stay healthy? Can he hold on to the ball in a crowd and take a hit? Can he take a hit, hold on to the ball? Can he stay healthy? If he can do those things, he runs so well. And he and he's actually not, I mean, for a, for a real burner, sometimes those guys don't have great route running ability. He's got decent um, breaks in and out. You know, he's, he's not, it's not like he's just a go pattern guy, um, but he's got to be able to take a hit and hold on. He's got to be able to stay healthy. But if he does... I mean, he's scary. He's, he's easily there. Like when you're watching them practice and he's running around out there, he's easily the fastest guy on the team. But he's, does he fit the ethos of you got to be physical? You got to be blocking downfield. When you're not a wide receiver, you're a pulled guard in this offense. Is he that right? But here's the thing: guard? this, the, the, it's also about. At the end of the day, it's about. I mean, the Rams use Tutu Atwell. He's 166 pounds, okay? But he puts tremendous pressure on the defense because of his speed. There's different ways to pressure a defense. And the, there's a reason that Shanahan keeps keeping Danny Gray around, despite the fact he can't ever get on the field, it seems, is because he is a absolute difference-making burner. And he ran 4-3-3, and I'm telling you, I've watched the guy at SMU, he plays faster than that. I mean, he, he's, he really does play like a four, two burner. He's just a huge, huge blur as a player, but he doesn't, he's not very durable, but if you can, you know, offensive football is about creating space. And if you can use this guy and get him the ball a couple of times 
on big plays down the field, man, that opens things up for, you know, for other guys. Well, and you know what it is, Larry, too? He represents the wrinkle that they really haven't been able to show anyone because they haven't had that wrinkle. They don't really have that player. And if we can go all the way back to nearly an hour ago, all the way back to the very first things we were talking about on this show today, you mentioned that Kyle Van Oy on his podcast said that the Ravens might have dropped the blueprint on how to beat the Niners, pack the middle zone, you know, zone away the reads that Purdy likes to make, get aggressive with corner blitzing. It's a lot harder to blitz corners when you need a guy to run stride for stride with someone who's got four, 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 three speed, right? So maybe, maybe Danny Gray can contribute before this year is all said and done. I mean, you got to honor be this guy's speed and wrinkle. Yeah. Be the late season wrinkle that it, it, who, whose speed do you have to honor now on this team? I mean, that's the thing. Their burners really were Danny gray and Ray Ray. And then Ray Ray went down. So, right. so he's the difference making speedster is Ray Ray um, coming back. You were down there this week. Well, not today. No, I mean, not this week. He's not, he, okay. he may come back um, for the playoffs, but as far as the, the Niners, I mean, Eric Armstead's got the plantar fasciitis. He remains out. Aaron Banks has got turf toe. He remains way, how's out. The, uh, how's, the, how's the Amy Kruger plantar fasciitis? Supposedly getting a little bit better, but That's I'll, I'll know more in the next couple of days. A uh, Jair Brown has got a sprained knee, but he's been working out on the side. I know he's trying to get back, but I don't think he'll play this week. Juwan Jennings is in concussion protocol. And um, I, I'm not sure when he'll get back. Jalen Moore also concussion protocol. Um, and they had Brown working out on a side field. So so we'll see. I mean, you know, the, this the, this is why the, the, the you know, the one angle in this game that we haven't talked about is that the 49ers may have to go up against Jerron Payne and Jonathan Allen, who are two of the better defensive tackles in the game with kind of a makeshift offensive line. I did an interview in the locker room yesterday with Ben Barch. There's a very good chance that Ben Barch is going to play in this game. Um, you've got, is he you gonna know, start? well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I think he'll probably wind up starting at left guard. If you ask me, Trent Williams did practice yesterday. So I think it will go Trent Williams at left tackle, Barch at left guard, Brendel at, at, at uh, center, uh, Feliciano at right guard and, uh, McKivitz at right tackle. um, with Burford on the bench and I'm not sure who else, but that would be basically how I think the rotation would go for the commanders. So, you know, they, they're, they're, uh, it's a new offensive line configuration. It's, you know, can they, can they protect for Purdy? Can they open run lanes? Can they win a game with, you know, maybe out there, their best defensive lineman again, and Eric Armstead and, and without, you know, maybe, um, a key guy in, in, um, in Aaron banks at left guard. So, you know, the, the, this is going to be a, this is a gut check here because, you know, the, as you said before, commanders have nothing to lose here. Absolutely nothing to lose. And, you know, Rivera is probably gone at the end of the year. Uh, Brissett's trying to earn a contract and he's fresh. Um, and you know, the 49ers are coming in, limping in traveling across the country on a short week. So it's going to be a difficult game to get for sure. I hope it isn't because the following week's game has become more difficult than a lot of people probably thought it would be. But I mean, there, there, Kyle's 
onage on Sean McVay should never give you an overconfidence in beating the Los Angeles Rams, especially with the way that Kyron Williams and Stafford and that offense is executing right now. I mean, there is no don't worry about it final game of the year for the 49ers waiting for them. They're going to have to beat the Rams after they beat the commanders um, in, in order to get that bye week. And if you asked me how any real trip to a Super Bowl begins for the 49ers this year, Larry, it begins with a bye week. I don't know if they get there without it. I agree. I agree. And, and also there's a chance that if things don't go well, they could get the Rams in week 18 and then the Rams in the first round of the playoffs. And if the Rams are suddenly in this like feel good offensively, the Niners could check out real quick. Look, um, we saw Stafford carve them up earlier, especially in that first half when Steve Wilkes was persona non grata without Cooper cup. Exactly. So um, that, 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 that game is more of a meal than anyone was expecting to eat for the final week of the year. That's, why losing to the Baltimore Ravens was not just like a, well, you know, they didn't really need that game. Oh, no, no. I mean, totally. Oh, yeah, they totally. did. They, 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 I mean, yeah, they, they did kind of need that game to give them the margin of error that is now gone. And on a, on a grander scale, you know, I think one of the things that the Niners have to address their offensive line in the offseason, no doubt. Sure. They also have to address corner and make sure that they've got the corners to match up going forward in this division. Because when you're talking about Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua, and I hope this is not a, a, a lesson you know, that's learned late in the year here, but those two guys, are with Stafford throwing the ball, are, you know, I mean, that's as, about as tough as cover as you're going to have. Larry Puka and then Nakua. they've got Atwell's just so fast. So yeah. you've got the speedster. And then you've got these two guys that are just that have the best ball skills and route running. And, and, you know, I mean, they're just both like unstoppable veteran receivers. Puka Nakua is having one of the single greatest rookie seasons any position has ever had. I mean, he, he's, he's unbelievable his yeah. rookie year as a wide receiver he's in tough. that offense. He's, he catches in a crowd. He's good route running, incredible hands, ball skills, the whole deal. The guy's really, really good. And then Cup. And then he roasted them early, and now now you got Cup and Puka. So I mean, this is gonna, you know, the Rams are gonna be, you know, and then in you know Seattle's got DK and they've got Lockett and they drafted the kid from Ohio State who's who's gonna be a good player. So I mean, you're gonna have receivers. Arizona's got receivers. Um, you know, you're gonna have to really have good corners going forward. By the way, it's an NFC West versus the East weekend. We got the 49ers at the Commanders. The Rams are at the Giants while the Cardinals are at the Eagles. So, um, you know, Rams got a kind of an easy one on their schedule. Uh, the uh, Tommy Cutlets era has come to a screeching halt in New York. It's going to be uh, Tarod Taylor going for the Giants and, uh, you know, Cardinals. You know, I, 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 it's hard to even give them a puncher's chance going into Philadelphia. They, they're probably getting creamed. Yeah, but I mean, you know, we'll see because that is that's Gannon going against his former team. So there's some emotion there. Whatever the Cardinals, you know, whatever his best coaching effort is, he's going to deliver it in this game against his former team, I think. So, I mean, don't don't be surprised if Arizona 
makes that a close game. Without a doubt. Joel Martinez says, yeah. I can see the Cardinals beating the Eagles. All right, Joel. I hope you're right. Wouldn't that be a stunner? Um, Dolphins, Ravens, hands down, game of the week. It's going to, you know, it, it, basically it's going to set up who's the one seed in the AFC. If the Dolphins lose this game, they then turn around and in their final week of the year, they're playing the Buffalo Bills for the right to win that division. So yeah. there is a massive amount of consequence on this Dolphins-Ravens game also going off at 10 a.m., same time as the Niners and Commanders kickoff. Yeah, um, and to me, that that one's going to be really interesting because those two they, those might be the most dangerous teams in the AFC right there. Um, Buffalo's kind of hot, but and the Browns are definitely looking good. But Kansas City doesn't look like Kansas City. And Jaguars are n- no. So it's really, it's a, it's about who's, w- w- what do you think of Miami and what do you think of Baltimore? And those two teams, Baltimore's, you know, 12 and three, Miami's 11 and four. Miami's super explosive. They're different kinds of teams. Um, you know, that, but I, I could see if you said, you know, wager on teams going to Vegas out of the AFC, I'd probably put my money on Baltimore and Miami. It'd probably be a decent investment. We've talked all about, you know, the the teams in the NFC that can really be contenders here. It's been the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the, the 49ers that have really separated themselves. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, look, they can win the NFC South with a win this weekend. So, you know, they are going to be very much on red alert this weekend. What do you think of the Detroit Lions? In terms of okay, that's a team that no one wants to see in the postseason. Uh, would you, do you even give them that moniker? No one wants to play the Detroit Lions. I, I, I have trouble seeing that. Well, I mean, they're 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 an interesting team. On offense, they've got three dominating offensive linemen. Yeah, you know, Panay Sewell, Frank Ragnow, and Taylor Decker. So the guards. Just okay, but the tackles in the center, elite. So they got a great offensive line. People talk about Dallas's offensive line. Detroit's offensive line is even better. Might be the and best they've got. Football, not named the Philadelphia Eagles, right? A really good line, and they're all in their prime. And then you got Amon Ross, St. Brown, um, Jamison Williams is a home run hitter. Jameer Gibbs has got lots of speed. David Montgomery, Sam Laporta. They've got. You know the makings there of a very good group of weapons. Laporte is one of the best young tight ends in the game. Amon Ross St. Brown is one of the best receivers that nobody knows about, and Jamison Williams, a home, ridiculous speedster, home run hitter. Gibbs catches the ball out of the backfield. They got great weapons. Right, David Golf Montgomery is, little, is the best back that no one talks about. Yeah, he's a big power back, former Iowa State kid, former Bear, and he can run between the tackles and takes a lot of hits, but he can take the pounding. And then Gibbs is their speedster. He can catch it. He's got great wheels. So I mean, they're offensively, they're they're no no you know they're no fun. Defensively, Hutchinson's a star, but their line around him is just okay. And um, and their linebackers, Jack Campbell is a future outstanding linebacker. Um, but you know, I think their linebackers are just marginal. Anzalone, Derek Barnes. They're good. I mean, it's a solid group of linebackers. It's nothing special. But then what happened is they lost um, 
they lost uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson and they lost Emmanuel Mosley. Right. To injuries. If they had had those two guys healthy, I think they would have been really, really dangerous because Brian Branch, the second year nickel out of Alabama, is playing great. And Melifon was a big physical, strong safety. Kirby Joseph's a good cover guy. You know, they've got some guys, but they lost two key defensive backs and their linebackers are just okay. So, and their defense is Hutchinson, who you can double, and then you don't have to worry too much about the other guys. So, I, I just, I, I think they're a year away. They're coming, but defensively, they're, they're another draft away from really being a, they, I don't think they can run with the Niners and the Eagles and the best teams in the conference. I don't. Clemson and Kentucky are underway. Big day of bowl games, Larry. I know I was, I'm trying to uh, debate what I want to, what I want to, you know, wager on today. Hopefully you um, a piece of that Clemson Kentucky game. Cause it's underway. No, I know I don't that I, I was going to stay away from that game. Um, Oregon state, Notre Dame. I'm kind of interested in see what that game looks like. It's it's Notre Dame by five and uh, Missouri getting five against the Buckeyes is kind of interesting. So we'll see. I don't know. I haven't decided yet, but it's, I'm, I'll say this. I, I'm going to watch that Missouri Ohio state game. Uh, that's going to be, you know, there's some, there's gonna be a lot of good talent on the field draft picks on the field without a doubt draft picks yeah. are on the field in that game. Um, a very, very, like I said, at the beginning of the show, a rattled week for Niners fans. And I really don't know why they would use four quarters of data points as a reason to just discredit everything that has happened to this point in the season. But there's a lot of bandwagon jumping. Uh, It is a much lighter bandwagon going to Washington, which is just really odd because again, two wins away from being the one seed. If I'd walked up to any of you at the beginning of the season and said, you finished the year as the one seed in the NFC, is that going to be enough for you? Who would have said no to that? That I mean, there's the, the the Niners are right now at plus two thirty, the favorite to win Super Bowl fifty eight. The Ravens are second at plus three eighty, the Eagles at third at plus eight hundred, Miami's fourth at plus eight fifty, tied with Kansas City. The Bills then come in at plus one thousand, Dallas plus eleven hundred, Detroit plus eighteen hundred, Jacksonville plus thirty five hundred, Browns plus thirty five hundred. May want to throw a little shekel or two on the Browns at plus thirty five hundred. There's value right there with uh, the Browns. Joe Flacco just that just would be up. an incredible story. But I, you know what? I could see it. I could see the Browns there. Their Here's defense the- is good enough, and Flacco's. You know, I mean, they Flacco's got good weapons, and they can run the ball. Their own line is not what I thought it was going to be. If they still had Nick Chubb, really look out. What a what a, what a consequential injury that was all the way, what, opening week or week two? Did that happen? To the Steelers, yeah. Yeah, when Minka Chubb Fitzpatrick, went out. Minka Fitzpatrick took a That's bad right, angle. Two. That's right, because at the week one at the Steelers was the 49ers, so it was week two, I guess. Um, feels like a lifetime ago, but interesting stuff, man. I I I, I love this time of year. There's so many balls in the air. There's so many teams that, you know, thought that, well, they'd have the kind of season where they could kick it into rest it up mode here. No, it is a sprint to the finish once again around the NFL. And I, I absolutely love it. We're going to have a good weekend of football for sure. I, I think this is set up to be a fun weekend. 
And then you got like your New Year's Day bowl games coming up. The big boys are moving into town. And uh, it is a great time of the year. Really. What do you what what do you think in the playoffs? We haven't even talked about the play, the college football playoff, but I'll say this. I I'm looking at those games and I don't know uh how they're gonna shake out, but I just think if you give I think Michigan's better than Alabama, but if you give Saban that much time and all the athletes they have, I think Alabama gets Michigan in the uh in the Rose Bowl. And then in the other game, I know there's a lot of people that think that Texas is the is the best team in the country. Um I think Washington's gonna beat Texas. And I, I think there's a very good chance that the Washington Huskies are gonna wind up beating Alabama in the national championship in the final year of the Pac twelve. We're gonna see a Pac twelve team win the national championship. Well, first of all, from just a storyline standpoint, I hope you're right, because that would also be good things for for Michael Penix Jr., who I've been rooting for ever since he was in Bloomington plying his craft. Um you know, he's what awesome, a, by the way. He's totally 33 awesome. touchdowns, nine picks, 4,218 yards so far. For Penn. Let me tell you, if it, he, if not for the fact that his body can also be labeled damaged goods, he might have been the number one pick in the draft, Larry. He might have been the number one pick in the draft if he had never torn his ACL, if he had never gotten the 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 injuries that caused him to miss time early on in his college career, um, it, it, it's but maybe but the greatest, maybe one of the greatest arms I've ever seen. He's got a cannon. He really does. He's got a cannon, and but it's not just he's not just a let me throw the ball hard guy. He's got all kinds of clubs in his bag. He can make a lot of different throws. He's a talented kid. He really is. How about UCL uh, uh, USC? USC says Caleb Williams isn't playing because he's going to be the number one pick in the draft. So they start their uh, their backup, and he throws six touchdowns in the Holiday Bowl. I saw that. Miller so, Moss. Yeah, Miller Moss. Miller Moss, uh, 6'2", 200-pounder, L.A. kid, sophomore, comes in, and Miller Moss dominated uh, Louisville. I mean, I mean – SC's got some really good players too. Washington, the receiver, was a hell of a player. Lane had a couple touchdowns in that game. Jalen Smith, the line, the uh, safety for SC, uh, ridiculous safety at twelve tackles. They were all solo. I mean, he he's he was he's a great young player. Um, yeah, no big big win for the big win for the Trojans. Is your Indiana Hoosiers in a bowl game, Damon? No. Never. James Foster on the Super says CJ Gardner Johnson's coming back soon. Well, then okay. Then uh maybe I I'll, you know, I stand corrected on the Lions cuz he is a great player and he will help. But why am I frozen? <laughs> why are you frozen? Why am I frozen? That stupid thumbs up bubble means my camera freezes. I don't know why this happens. Are you on, on the battery? No, no, I'm, I'm I'm not even on Wi-Fi. I am plugged in good old fashioned internet. I don't know what is happening there, Larry. <laughs> hey, you look very positive, though. It's a positive that, look. That looks like that looks like Damon's got something positive to say, doesn't he? <laughs> or like you, maybe you got frozen. Maybe this is like a Philly-based show, and you were frozen for saying positive stuff. 
And then we just froze you. Killa underscore MIG831 says Browns versus Niners in the Super Bowl. I don't know about that. Larry, I'm going to click out. I'll be right back, okay? (laughs) There you go. Um, Yeah, Browns-Niners in the Super Bowl would be amazing. The rematch, um, the Browns are special. I mean, they really are. I'll give I'll give the Browns credit. They are a special. Um, here we go. Got Damian. He's back. Uh, don't, there we go. Swap it up. There we go. We're back. I'm not going to put my thumbs up anymore. I do that, and it like freezes things. I don't I don't get it at all. <laughs> I was just saying Browns uh, Browns Niners in the Super Bowl would Look be at incredible. This way. I I wouldn't that would be incredible. That. I wouldn't want that because if the Niners are in the Super Bowl, I really want to root for them to win it. And I, there's a weird part of me that would really like be if the Browns reached the Super Bowl with Joe Flacco, like, how do you not root for them? Like, I, I obviously the nation the Niners, would be rooting, well. a, rooting against the Niners for sure. Absolutely. That would be an incredible story. Plus, could you imagine the situation that that would leave the Cleveland Browns in Joe Flacco wins the first ever Super Bowl in Cleveland? And you've got Deshaun Watson with the what worst contract of all time guaranteed every penny of him still coming. I mean, what, what would you do? What would you do? Yeah. I mean, what would you do? Joe Flacco come back as your defending Super Bowl champion with Deshaun Watson backing him up. I mean, the, I mean, can you buy out Watson? I mean, how many guaranteed years? That would be just a major cap hit. It's all guaranteed. That's the thing. They gave him the one deal that other than Kirk Cousins is the guaranteed deal. I mean, good God, that would be incredible. Now, what the... What, Maybe one the, of the worst signings in the history of the NFL. Well, look, what the Denver Broncos are basically doing is saying, hey, Russell Wilson, what we want you to do is waive your right to all these injury guarantees and we'll play in the last two games. And Russell Wilson's like, you're out of your mind. Like, next year is the beginning of my five-year, $262 million extension or whatever it is he signed for. You know, I mean, so how how are the Denver Broncos going to come off of that? Who is spending all of that money to acquire Russell Wilson at this age at that price? I, I really don't know what the, the Denver Broncos are going to do with him unless, what, just cut him? Take the cap hit and our our cut owner, him. our yeah, owner the Walmart family, and we can absorb any cut them and take the cap hit and get down the road. Draft somebody, right? Um probably should have probably should have hired Sean Payton before you made that trade, right? I mean that or maybe I mean who knows? I mean, did Sean Payton go there because Russell was there and it just didn't work out? I don't know. What's odd, though, is, again, it's just starting to work out. And, like, Sean Payton is going forward to make the argument, like, no, nah, I just know this isn't sustainable. Can't go on. It's really weird. What a weird situation for the Denver Broncos, who, you know, have, for the most part, been a pretty well-run organization. But the chaos And very is- weird career trajectory for Russell. I mean, he's... Yeah. He's, you know, this guy who's, you know, won a Super Bowl, lost a Super Bowl, probably headed towards the Hall of Fame. And then suddenly, it, you know, he can't win in Seattle. He winds up in Denver. Uh, things don't go well there. Now it's like there's people kind of questioning where he goes. I mean, as a 49er fan, you know, Niner fans have nothing but respect for Russell because all he ever did was beat the Niners. 
I mean, every time I see him, he seems like a not just a good quarterback. He seems like an excellent quarterback. Right, he was a Niner killer. Oh, totally. Every time. Uh, Killa underscore MIG831 says Flacco versus the Niners round two in the Super Bowl. God, we were there for round one. I don't, I don't know if I could take a round two. Do you remember when he just he, Brooks, uh, um, Ahmad Brooks rushed him and he went running towards the sidelines? You thought, oh, for sure, it's a sack, and then maybe a pick. And he throws this gigantic looping pass down the sideline. And Anquan Bolden comes Bolden. out of nowhere, catches yep. it in front of Chris Culliver for like 28 yard gain. I mean, one of the most amazing, lucky throws and catches in NFL history. And it's like, what? And Cull- Culliver had a bad game. In that Culliver had a bad week. Did yeah, he say something disparaging yeah. about about you know gay players or gay something? And so yeah. he like he, he, he had a bad week. Up. Yeah, he picked a fight with the gay community the week of the Super Bowl as a Niner. What are you doing? <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah. What are you doing, dude? What are you doing? And then, and then he played terribly in the game. I mean, it was like he really that was he really capped his. That was the coup de gras week for uh, Chris Gulliver. Yeah, he could have um, used some, uh, he could have used some deer antler spray that that evening too. Yeah, something. I mean, anything would have saved him. But yeah, he 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 struggled. He struggled. Now, this God, is I haven't be- thought of the name Chris Culliver since that night. Thank you very much, Larry. Now, this game was up. on television the other day, and I watched it again, and I was like, oh, my gosh. There were so many things that were so interesting about that game. One of them was that Alex Smith, during the timeouts, was just absolutely in the ear of Colin Kaepernick. I mean, you could see. I mean, Smith was like holding court. You know, he was just like in his ear, talking to him, telling him things. Um, but you no, pouting. no, I didn't get an opportunity to play in this Super Bowl, so I'm going to just sit here and be angry and no, like, stare at yeah, a Microsoft like, Surface tablet. No, it's like, yeah, I'm not, you know, he was so trying to help Kaepernick through that game. It was really, really incredible to watch. And then Kaepernick made some amazing throws in that game. My God, just lasers, just absolute lasers. Um, and then Dante Whitner and Deshaun Goldson were just savage as far as the hitting. I mean, they just, you forget how those guys hit those guys. Those guys were just, you know, the most ferocious hitters, um, of all time. I, you know, obviously Ronnie and, and, you know, Atwater and, you know, there's all kinds of guys through history, but, um, Whitner and Goldson were just savage hitters. I mean, they, those guys just hit so hard. The ball came jarring. You know, they would just have these jarring hits and the ball would just go flying. I mean, Whitner, especially just, yeah. you know, you think of him now on TV. So, you know, he's, he's outspoken at times, but he's kind of soft-spoken. This guy was just the thumper of thumpers. Right. right. Dante Whitner's all like round rim glasses and turtlenecks these days. And you forget who he was. Yeah, he guy was just, just, I mean, not dirty. But just, you know, he laid wood, man, just destroy you. And just the strikeout, whatever the key point was, he would hit you right there because, I mean, guys would they were just jarring hits. So, yeah, those two guys stood out to me. And then uh, Anquan Bolden had just an amazing Super Bowl uh, against the 49ers that day. He was spectacular. 
Well, and I'll tell you, I didn't, I didn't rewatch the game. Whenever you just saw it again, I didn't rewatch that game. But and Harbaugh gagged it. By the way, they got first and goal on the five, and he called. They, they have the two minute warning, which let Baltimore get their breath, and then Harbaugh can't get the play called, so they give the the Ravens two timeouts. Their old dragging defense, which was just hanging by a thread, got two late timeouts. Then he goes, Kaepernick rolls right on the first down play. Damon, if he wanted to tuck it and run it, he could have gotten all the way to the two or something. Probably would have scored, but definitely would have gotten to the two. Instead, he rolls right with all this room in front of him, throws a bullet off the off Crabtree, ricocheted off of him. And then, you know, I mean, it's just they made just such bad decisions. Well, look, it's easy to look at that first and goal. It's easy to look at that goal to go entire sequence and say that's where the Super Bowl was blown where the Super Bowl was blown Larry was the second half opening kickoff that was housed by the Ravens terrible non-call there was one of the worst non-calls one of the most obvious blocks in the back of all time a sandwich hold of Bruce Miller in the gap that Jacoby Jones ran through yeah yeah no that was ridiculous um you know, Michael James had a key carry on first and goal from the five after Gore got them down there. And right. it's like, who, Michael James didn't why? do anything all year. And yeah, he got and him first and goal in the Super Bowl. First and goal from the five, you hand the ball to Michael James because you're giving what? Frank Gore a rest? I mean, it was just Harbaugh gagged that thing away. I mean, we can talk about. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo missed the throw, you know, to Emmanuel Sanders in the in the Super Bowl against Kansas City. If that game had gone 10 more minutes, the Kansas City would have won by even more. I mean, they the Kansas City just had an awesome offense, and when they got rolling, you couldn't stop it. Mahomes, Reed, the whole deal, Tyreek. But first and goal against the tired old Ravens in New Orleans with Frank Gore, and you, and you have two minutes and 30 seconds left. It wasn't like you have 30 seconds left. You had 2.30 left. You're on the five. And you cannot punch it in. Larry, that was the last great to be in the media Super Bowl. Because that's when the media center was still the province of the media. They hadn't sold tickets to fans to be walking through. And you could still book guests. And you could get guys getting up from one table, go into the next table. It was also the best fed media role of all time. I mean, they were walking around. Rands was there, remember? Oh, my God. They're literally walking around, handing out cups gumbo of and- gumbo and etouffee and, 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 and all these po' boys. Like, you could, you could, at any point in time, during any commercial break of a show, get up and get, like, a po' boy, eat it during your break, and come on back. Like, they had little perfect three-bite po' boys all over the place. Oh, We, we dined well that week. We, we went to Koshan. We had the fried alligator. That was so good. So good. We had to talk Mike Holler into it, but he, he did it. He did. He did. We went fried alligator. It was and, you, me, uh, Mike Holler, and the barista, I believe, at that dinner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Old yes. NBR days. Yes. Good, good, good stuff. Days. Good stuff. Beignets, recorder, Cafe Dumont. We had a uh, got. We went and got got really good cheeseburgers all the way at the end of uh, all the way at the end of Bourbon Street. Like you, you walk all the way to the end of Bourbon Street. You walk past 
the what the oldest operating bar in America there, the one that's yeah, ever closed right, or whatever. Right. No you, you walk, on it. Yeah, you you walk past that place. The place is literally lit up by candle. There's no electricity in there almost. And uh God, New we, Orleans is pretty cool. How about the bar that rotated? Oh yeah, the, the carousel bar in the hotel. That's Great that was spot. awesome. That's where that's where I saw Paul McCartney. Wow. Pat no, O'Brien's, of course, with the courtyard yeah. and the hurricane pianos, piano bar. Yeah. The father and son getting in a fight. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Good times. Good, good times. And then uh, and then not only the father and son get in the fight, the cops looked at the father and said, What should we do with him? And he looks at the kid and he looks at the cops. Everybody's like leaning in. What's the dad gonna say? And he's like, arrest his ass. <laughs> and the cop's like, all right. And he's like, dad, 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 what are you doing? Dad. Guys dragging him away in cuffs. Oh, good times. Good, good times. times indeed. I wish I, again, I, I, I wish we could go back to those days. It was so much more of an innocent time. <laughs> it was. It was. It, it was. And it was an gr- incredible week. I mean, if you're going to spend week. a week somewhere, the Super Bowl, I mean, New Orleans for the Super Bowl with the buildup and the partying and the drinking and the, I mean, it's just. Well, and, and I, got, I got one of the great entrances of my life because that was the weekend that Bonnie Jill Laughlin and I really became good friends. And we're good friends to this day, but that's the weekend where I helped Bonnie get her press credential into media row. And I remember, remember so I'm on 1050 at the time, right? right? And you guys are all sitting up there at your 680 big flagship of well, the Niners. It was the Niners and the Ravens, so they put the the at the fort the San Francisco flagship and the Raven flagship at the in the front of the room facing everybody else as opposed right. to in the row. I'm just, I'm, I'm just a, you are our second on the 1050 station, which was like row five. Right, you had like just, Michael I'm, Irvin I'm, sitting there. Right, exactly. You guys are the flagship station, and I'm doing an interview with Jerry Jones and Michael Irvin, who came to see Bonnie, and Bonnie is like this magnet of NFL talent that's just coming to me, and everyone's like, who the hell's this guy getting all these big interviews? (laughs) And then what was great was Bonnie, who, um, you know, is obviously a beautiful woman in her own right, um and and it done former spread. cowboy cheerleader right and it done spreads in uh gentlemen's uh playboy and and her friend play her, her friend like miss may showed up and i went to the bud light party with two playmates like walking into the bud light party with me and two playmates was a mo- one of the best moments of my life <laughs> Everyone's like, who is this fucking turkey walking in with two dime pieces? Like, I mean, yeah. it was, oh, these were good days. This was a fun night. People looking at you. Would that run you? <laughs> Have you met my nieces? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, good times. The Super Bowl in New Orleans. And then it's back in New Orleans next year. How about that? It's the, look, it's the only place that the Super Bowl should really be played. The Super Bowl should rotate between Miami, New Orleans, and San Diego is the other city that should have been able to host the Super Bowl, but they did, they tore their stadiums down. They don't have the NFL in San Diego anymore. Right. Uh, obviously, SoFi's on the list. Let's be completely honest. There should never be another Super Bowl back here in the Bay Area. There, next year. I know, and it shouldn't be. Nobody wants to go to a Santa Clara Super Bowl. Nobody. For two years. Stadium stinks. 
There's nothing around it to do. You're, you're 50 miles away from San Francisco. So I, you know, the, the Super Bowl shouldn't be in the Bay Area, to be totally honest with you, but it will be once again. Yeah, I mean, that, the only thing about it is like either have everything in the city, which you can't because the game's there, there. So in Santa Clara or have everything in Santa Clara. Right. And it's just, I don't know. I mean, it's like right. somebody says, why Miami? It's a party town. Miami's a party town. It's an event town. It crushes big international events. And I'll say this. Super Bowl going to Las Vegas, I guarantee you that's going to be an awful lot of fun. It's going to be, but it's also going to be a mess. That's going to be a tough Super Bowl to get through. There's going to be some bad decisions made at 3 a.m. at craps tables that are that are going to be. I, so actually, hold on. I'm thinking about two things at once here. There's the mess that people will get themselves into when they're there. But Larry, I'm wondering what Radio Row is even going to look like at the Las Vegas Super Bowl, which is going to be a very expensive Super Bowl to get to. Um. 3000 a night for a hotel room in Vegas for the and, Super Bowl. And, and look, radio stations are out of money. Not just the ones in San Francisco, but everywhere. Like, I really wonder if the Niners go to the Super Bowl, will KNBR even send a show to Radio Row? They'll probably send somebody. They'll send like Papa and Lund. And then Copeland will be like, I'm the program director. I'm going to. But Tolbert will do it from his freaking den. Well, it's it it's uh these are different days. I mean, heck, um, there were uh, you know at that Super Bowl in New Orleans, there were ninety five seven sent their entire station. Yeah, they're you still know? paying that price though. That's when and the we, stock price starts falling out. And we actually, you know, um, at the time we were at KMBR, there was probably was you know at least four or five of maybe six or seven of us, maybe more, maybe ten. Look, they sent ten fifty. I ten fifty no attention. They didn't send any, but then I'm, I'm like, I'm like, well, I'm the post game host, so I you kind of have to send me. You and I were doing post game and pregame, so they needed to send us. But yeah, I mean, I, I they didn't send me an, an engineer. I had to engineer my own show. I do remember that. But that's, a, um, that's just plugging things in, right? That's it. What's Lee Hammer do? He plugs things in. <laughs> exactly. Gary Radnich plugs things in. He yeah. plugs things in, but you no, know, it's it, it is it, it's going to be really interesting to see how empty Radio Row is. And another thing that has emptied Radio Row was full of radio stations, but it started to empty out because all these TV stations and TV networks played the where we're too cool to be on Radio Row now, so we're going to go to our other location. This started with the Dan Patrick Show. Too cool for Radio Row, so they'll be what? You know, at a stage set up in front of the Bellagio, which is great, but that takes all of those A-plus guests that might have been on Radio Row, and it moves them to another location, which means they're not on Radio Row. And then you had Cowherd do the same thing. McAfee will probably do the same thing. ESPN's too cool for school, so they'll put first take somewhere else that day. And the whole thing gets spread out. The beauty of the Super Bowl Media Center was Everyone in the media was in one place. That was the beauty of that New Orleans Super Bowl. Totally. Everybody was in one place. And it was it was essentially like a convention for sports talk radio, along with it being a convention for the Super Bowl as well. But it was, you got a lot of business deals done. I remember at that Super Bowl in New Orleans is when I got the Jim Rome show. 
to fill in and all because the times you, I filled in on the Jim Rome show. Like you it, could meet people who were there who were like decision makers and yes. you could go be like, Hey, let's go have a beer and we'll talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Jay Stu and I had a beer. We talked Jay about Stu, it who slept on my know, floor in, uh, in my apartment in San Francisco for three months. You and was that the Ed Gorlick apartment? Yes. See, I know things. Yeah. I know where the bodies. My, my old, co my old college roommate. We first uh, graduated college. We we had a place in the city before I got married, um, and uh, and and Jay Stu, who would later go on to great heights working with Rome, um, <laughs> stayed on the floor in the hallway, just like walking over this guy every day for like literally like two three months. Smiley Dan says Jungle Damon was some good stuff. It was fun. It was fun. I remember the first time I did Jim Rome, my two guests that day were Mike Silver and Ray Ratto. I had Mike Silver and Ray Ratto as my guests. So, big time. names, big names. Big names, big names that I could pull during the Christmas break. Dusty Gold says, Larry loves the raucous bars in the French Quarter. Fits right in. Oh, yeah, I do. I really do. I could do the New Orleans thing. I mean, also back then I was doing 9 a.m. to noon Pacific, which was 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Central, which is absolutely the best time you could ever do a radio show in New Orleans. Right, because it's hopping. You don't have to get up early, so it means you can have fun from the night before, and you get out of enough time to go make a night of it. And nobody's doing anything in New Orleans. If, if you want to say when's the deadest time in New Orleans – where you're not going to miss anything between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. Right. Nothing. Nope. You miss no parties, no early happy hours, uh, you know, no, you know, whatever. But and then you can stay out till 5 a.m. and still get, you know, a few hours of sleep, which we did. Which we did. Which we did. Was, oh, God, that was fun. Unbelievable stuff. Unbelievable. Uh, we got this G Martinez. Don't get the hurricanes. Uh, in Nolans, you'll regret the night. Oh, yeah. You don't need to, you don't need to overcomplicate your cocktails. You know what you should drink in New Orleans? Bourbon. That's where you, you should drink bourbon on Bourbon Street. That's the way to go. You don't need all those sugary cocktails. No, sir. Just, just I whatever you, you do, you just start early and keep it rolling because the, it's great drinking weather. You know, that's the thing about it that you say, well, what makes New Orleans? I mean, that's a great. Even if you're not a big drinker, when you're in that humidity and it just in, in that environment, it just feels like you just want to it just it's a it's an environment that lends itself to drinking. It is. It's a very good evaluation of the city. Maybe it's because it's below sea level. I don't know. Maybe there's something about being underwater that makes you want to drink more. I don't know. It's the uh, humidity. You're just kind of yeah. out there and you're, you know, you're sweating, but you're kind of, you know, it's. Also, it's uh, open, by the way, the open container laws in New Orleans are the best. Like you can leave the bar with your cocktail and everyone. It's cool. And no, no problem. Right. You don't even need a to go cup. You can just leave. Right. You just it's just. Yeah, exactly. It's just there's a freedom of do what, I, you know, you've got to kind of do what you got the open, uh, open, open runway. Do what you want. Yeah. Have fun. It's a hip swinging kind of town. Absolutely. True blue, true blue for Eva says same in Vegas. Ever. Ever. Yeah, you know, same in Vegas too. But I don't know. There's something better about New Orleans. And here's the thing. New Orleans is real. 
everything in Las Vegas is a simulation. You know what I mean? That that's the difference. You could go to a restaurant that's awesome in New Orleans in Las Vegas, but it won't be the same. Right. Like, that's not really the Eiffel Tower. That's just another one that they built. Like, everything really? in New Orleans I, is really New I've Orleans. I've been telling people that I visited the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I went to Vegas. So that re- the uh, the roller coaster on top of, uh, is it what, New York, New York? Have you not been there. Have By you the been way, you want to talk about one of the... Oh, they got rid of it? They got rid of the roller coaster? No, no, no. It's, 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 it's there. It's still there. But no, it's not. They don't have roller coasters around skyscrapers in Manhattan. That is a facsimile, so... Um, G Martinez, New Orleans is grimy, grimy. Hey, look, Larry and I like grimy games. Can the Niners win a grimy game? That's in New Orleans. The question. The, uh, the, I, I will say this though, in terms of celebrity stopping traffic, you know, there's, there's a certain degree of local celebrity that you get used to being around. And then there's popular. And then there is Beyonce who walked into Media Row, and you're talking about, you know, if there were 3,000 dudes on Media Row, 3,000 dudes stood up at their table and craned their neck to watch Beyonce walk across the entire room to the set of NFL Network. I mean, she was gorgeous. She walked into that room, and you you felt the star power even if you were two football fields away from her, you could feel the star power of Beyonce walking onto Radio Row. But then, as great as that was, like I said later on, you learned what real star power was. And that was Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney, when he walks through a lobby, you could hear a pin drop. You could, everybody, Everybody stops what they are doing to watch and look at Paul McCartney. Like that is a level of fame. God bless Beyonce and all of her success. She ain't a beetle. You know what I mean? She ain't a beetle. So that was, I, I will never forget the weight in the room changing when Paul McCartney walked through it. You could feel the, it was like the barometric pressure went out of the room or came into the room. I don't know what barometric pressure does, but you know what I mean? It was it's so funny that the only person I've been around like that, that where it was just like, it was almost bizarre was when Mike Tyson came to Cambiar. Oh yeah. And I remember I walked in and, uh, and I'm like, you know, people were walking around him and there was a huge group of people, but they, every time he turned, they would move out of the way. Like he was like a wild animal. <laughs> like he was gonna, like he was going to charge them. Like literally every time you move, people would be like, you know, oh. <laughs> and nobody was talking to him at all. And I walk up, I'm like, why is there all these people staring at this guy and nobody's talking to him? And so I came out of the studio and I started talking to him right in the middle of this group of people. And then he starts talking. I, I, I'm like, hey, man, um, you know, I've, I've, I've read all about your, you know, growing up in the cat skills and training with cuss and, and all. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And he's doing this whole thing and he's got the eye tattoo and, it's like 20, 30 people, salespeople, people taking pictures, right? Like following this guy around, but it was weird. It was like, nobody was saying anything to him. Nobody was talking to him, but he was just, well, that's the thing. A lot of people don't know how to talk to a celebrity. And I think this is, you know, this is the advantage that hosts get. We're used to talking to people with a degree of fame. So we don't get all like quiet around them. We don't get all shy, but 
you know, it's what, what's always amazing is there's a certain degree of celebrity that makes all these salespeople who literally can't find our side of the building all year long. But now there's a celebrity and oh, the entire sales and promotions department all of a sudden knows where the on-air studio is. As far as the best celebrity I've ever met, as far as the way he was and how cool he was, I came in. I was doing the 9 a.m. show. Murph and Mac were doing the morning show. They had uh, Will Ferrell on. And Will Ferrell was supposed to be on at like 830 or something like that. And I got to the back to the bullpen area of KMBR at like quarter to eight. And I go back there and he's sitting in a chair watching the watching a game on TV. And, and as soon as I come back there, I thought he was a producer. And I'm like, hey, man, has somebody called in on, you know, blankety blank on? And he's like, no, man. And he whips around. And then he's like, oh, I'm just joking. I'm like, oh, Will Ferrell. And then I go, and I just watched semi-pro. And I'm like, I was just watching you last night, Jackie Moon. And he just goes into a Jackie Moon, you know, semi-pro outtake kind of a thing where he just starts talking like he's Jackie Moon. And, you know, it was an amazing thing. And I had about 20 minutes to talk to him in the, as I'm sitting there, you know, on the computer, he's asking me a little bit about San Francisco. He is one of the coolest, most down-to-earth megastars that I've ever met. I mean, he just could not have been nicer, could not have been more normal and, you know, very, very cool guy. Will Ferrell. Two of the best bullpen conversations I ever had ever uh, back in KNBR's bullpen were with two comedians, Richard Lewis, Richard Lewis had like a half an hour to kill. And I, Richard Lewis decided I'm going to kill this half an hour talking to this kid. Right. And so I sat there and I talked comedy and Richard Lewis. And at the very end, I said, look, Richard, I got to tell you what an honor it was to meet the king of the Jews today. And he said, what, Larry David's here? (laughs) (laughs) So that was great. And the other guy, and this was before the podcast fame. This was just, I'm a comedian at Cobbs this weekend. I had a really cool, like half an hour long conversation with Joe Rogan before Joe Rogan became podcast number one in the world, Joe Rogan. He was just like just a guy, fear factor, touring comedian, Joe Rogan. And like we were talking about eating cockroaches on the show. Like that's that that's where the, the, it wasn't, you know, we didn't talk politics. We didn't talk anything. We just, I did the nighttime show opposite Billy Steele, the late Billy Steele, who I loved like a brother. He was great. He, he was the uh, worked at the bone. And I met both uh, Sammy Hagar and Slash from Guns N' Roses. Slash from Guns N' Roses was sitting in the lobby. We're on the 11th floor of this built office building. And there's he's smoking. And I didn't recognize him. And so I come out to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, hey, what's up, bro? And he's sitting in the lobby. And the and the things, the door's kind of down. So it's, so it's like it's dark. You know, it's late at night. It's right. nine, 10 o'clock at night. Nobody's there. And uh, so I go to the bathroom through the uh, copy room, come back through the copy room and he's still sitting there smoking. I'm like, Hey bro, it's, it's, you know, it's California in like t- 2004, you know, you, you can't smoke in the, uh, in the, um, in the, in, in any the building. building, in the building, you got to go out on the balcony. And he's like, Oh, sorry, man. And then as I'm saying that Billy Steele opens the door, he's like, there, you know, this is, I'm like, he's like, this is slash from guns and roses. I'm like, well, a slash. Didn't recognize you at the top hat. Yeah. So, 
my uh, who is that in the lobby story when I was at KNBR because the the the, the KNBR studio in the old building shared a window with the lobby. Like you could you could look out KNBR studio window through the hallway into the lobby window and see who's sitting in the lobby. And you know they were there would be like like who was the, I can't remember the name of the woman who was the the, the receptionist. The African American Yeah, Special K, exactly. I don't even know her name, but everyone called her Special K. She was fantastic. And then, the, you know, Liz Lemon would come out and fill in for her when she had to go to the bathroom or something like that. That was fun. Um, and no, not Liz Lemon from 30 Rock, but we had our own Lemon. Um, Isabel Lemon. Isabel, that's right. Not Liz, <laughs> is Lemon. Uh, anyways, so there was nobody in the lobby. It was like some weekend thing. And I'm in there doing something. I'm in the studio and, and you know, I look across the lobby and I'm like, God, that lady looks like Bonnie Raitt. And then she had the streak in her hair. I'm doing the segment, right? I'm doing the segment. I'm doing, I'm on the air. So she is literally standing in the lobby by herself. And finally, I'm like, all right, sports talk listeners, I have to go to commercial break early because I think Bonnie Raitt is in the lobby and nobody's ha- like, like, like helping her. And I walk in and it was Bonnie Raitt. She was there for like some K Fog music. Oh, yeah. Studio or something. Yeah. Go through the days, man. I'm Norm McDonald. I met at KMBR. He was going in to go on with, uh, on the bone with Lamont and Tonelli. Um, you just, it's amazing all the different people that you kind of come across. When radio actually had gravity and it would if pull you had, into it. If you could, if I could say to you, greatest individual show that you've ever done two of mine come to mind and I, i'll give you a second to think about yours because i put you on the spot two of mine when the giants clinched the 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 playoffs in 2000 and they had it was year one of the ballpark we had a party a giants only party with their wives and families and friends um the after the game that went literally almost all night and I had Sabian on. I had it, this is inside the bar, which was late, later, I guess, the Chop House or whatever you want to call. It. I'm not sure what it's called right now, but it was it was uh, it was uh, Restaurant 24 at the time, and it was like the Giants' own. They hadn't sold it to anybody yet, so they kind of owned it. So it was like their own bar and restaurant, and they closed it to the to the to the players and their families and. And whoever you know, a select group of about two hundred people or whatever it was, um, and then Sabes sat there with me, and we did like an hour and a half, like after midnight. I mean, it was an amazing show. That was one. There was another one that Tony Larusa had an Arf Foundation dinner in at the uh, Silverado Country Club in Napa, and they told me to host this roundtable, and I'm like, yeah, great. And this is like on a Friday or on like a Thursday. And they're like, yeah, uh, host this round table um, tonight. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. And they're like, I'm like, who's on the round table? He's like, Tony LaRussa, Bill DeWitt, the owner of the Cardinals, Lon Simmons, Jack Buck. Hey, how are you doing, Larry? So I got Lon Simmons, Jack Buck, Tony LaRussa, Bill DeWitt. And we're sitting around this table after, at, you know, after having this incredible dinner, drinking all these guys are all staying there for, for the weekend. And we got, you know, bottles of wine. You got Jack Buck and Lon Simmons and Tony LaRussa telling 
old baseball stories and stories of broad, you know, early broadcasting. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. Lee J and I, the the great Lee Jones, Jones, and I sat there and we're like, that was like historical. So it was so good that that Agnew called at like nine o'clock and he's like, he's like, take this thing to fucking midnight. You take this thing to midnight, Krieger. And I'm like, I'm like, Bob, we're you know, we started at seven. It's you know, it's almost we're been going for two hours. He's like, take it to midnight. So we took it to midnight, and it's like we get to midnight, and I think I, I was thinking it was going to be hard. I just be, I would just be like, "Hey, welcome back. Uh, we're here." I named all the people, and then I would just kind of shut up and let Lon and Jack Buck and these guys just inter just talk among right. themselves. The best thing you can do as a host when you have Hall of Fame broadcasters sharing the stage with you is ask a question and shut up. Right. Turn your mic off. Exactly. Let them handle it. These guys are in the Hall of Fame for a reason. Yeah. Let them do it. Unbelievable. It was like Lon chopping it up with Jack Buck. And, you know, just it was. I had a couple. I had a couple of really fun experiences at KNBR Giants Fan Fest where, like, I shared a stage with Zito and Kane and Posey and um you know like Brandon Crawford and Brandon Belt was up there and I really like I was proud of myself that day because I thought I I I did a good job asking questions that brought out some personality in the guys conducting like a a, a crowd Q&A and I, like I I did a good job facilitating all of that and making everybody look good that's one of my better days at KNBR but you asked me what's my most memorable show Larry I I hate to say it but I go to a dark place when you ask me what my most memorable show was at KNBR Uh-oh. because I remember Lee Hammer walking in during a commercial break and it was the first time where I ever told Lee, I'm like, get out of the studio. I know what I'm doing. I'm on the bullseye. You're wrong. And just watch the next 24 hours and what happens to this story. Larry, that was the day I was reading the court transcripts from the Penn State story. I was on the Penn State Joe Paterno scandal before anybody at KNBR had any, like Radnich looked at that story and said, oh, I can't talk about this. I can't I can't fun with this. So I'm not going to even get into it. And it was a very heavy story. It's the single worst sports story I've ever seen in my life. And I was the only one over it oh only one like Fitz and Brooks were dicking around that day Ralph and Tom didn't have didn't say a word about it and I did three hours on it and Lee Hammer's like what are you doing and I said what I'm doing is actual radio what the fuck is your channel doing like don't don't ask about me what I'm doing you go ask them what they're doing because they are missing the sports story of the century the, the, the worst story you're ever going to hear in your life is happening right now. And you got an entire channel up there. That's not talking about it. I know what's going on here. Trust it was me. such a dark, it was terrible awful. topic that I think that people just were like, Hey, right. we'll do it the next day. They did do it the next day, but you, you were on it that first day. Yeah. And I even got a call from Lee hammer that night going like, 
You know, you're 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 right about that. I'm watching Sports Center right now, and this story is unbelievable, and it's blowing up. And you're you're right. You were right. Well, I'll tell you the other one that was re- you know very memorable. I don't know if it was the best, but it was memorable. We're just the entire period after 9/11, while be- until there were sports again, right? And 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 how we went about that and talked about we were on the air, not talking sports, and really not talking about anything because we really didn't know that much about it you know so it's like um but there was a lot of good stuff in there for sure there was been, there's been so many good ones some so many incredible shows but uh we but were those were the ones we we caught the we we got two of the last tickets to disneyland before it all burnt down we really did and and we came in at the tail end of it like the sesquihanna owned KNBR days were the end of the glory days. It was like when the mob ran Vegas, working for Tony Salvador, who had a budget that went to wherever Tony wanted it to go. You know, I mean, he he ran that place with impunity and independently, and those were the good old days of radio in San Francisco, where, hey, the Giants would do something special, and the station would buy out a bar and treat everybody right. I remember the very last... Warriors title at 95-7 the game. We didn't even get a fucking pizza. I, I will say this. The other memorable one is doing the broadcast on the float going through the World Series parade. That was, that was amazing. Yeah. Uh, a couple, that was amazing. I was, I was, lucky was enough to I'll say this, man. That market. was, um, you know, you can, there's, there's things in life you just can't buy. You know, and and riding in a World Series parade down Market Street cannot be bought. Cannot be bought. You know, that's God. an experience that it's like there are people hanging out of buildings. There are people hanging from every corner, and just the glee. I remember walking from from uh, the you know the 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 site of the where was it? I guess uh, uh, Civic Center, Civic Center, City Hall all the way to like Howard and second where my car was parked at the station, walking through what would normally be, you know, kind of a slummy neighborhood, kind of a bad you know, lots of, you know, just filth and that kind of thing. It was just like, it felt like it was just the most pristine, perfect day. You know, everybody was just happy. High five in and just, it was just amazing. It was amazing. That was cool. That was really, really cool. I'll tell you the, Warriors championship parade with Durant that went around Lake Merritt when they had come over to 95-7. The game was pretty cool, too. That was special. I got my wife on the float that day. So Jillian got to ride in a Warriors championship parade, and and that was really special. We have some great pictures from that day together. And that's like that's one of the days where she's like, holy shit, my husband is like, like recognizable. Like people like listen to him. Like I I'm his wife. I have to, I guess, you know, we, I signed up to be a part of this. She's like, people, people, people hang out with him by choice. <laughs> I mean, just in some, I'll say so many of the spring training shows too, were just incredible. Uh, the super bowl, you know, pre and post game stuff that you and I did together was incredible. There's, there's been so many, so many good, good memories for sure. Uh, but some, the, the parade down Market Street was just like, oh, my God, this, just, of, this just tops everything. Yeah. It was just absolutely amazing. It's one um, of the greatest rides I'll ever have in my life. 
it yeah. was incredible. Watching incredible. Every seeing it, single, seeing that many people that excited about one thing is just, you know, and and it's, it, it's being, seeing their faces and hearing their, you know, yelling and screaming. And uh, I mean, it just doesn't get a whole lot better. And, you know, to see that in being a couple of those, you know, I was both in the 12 in the 20, uh, 12 and 14 parades. Those were just like, you gotta be kidding me. The uh, uh, perfect day, just perfect days. The thing that was so cool about being in the parade and in the middle of market street was not only did you see everybody, you know, hanging off of lampposts, standing on top of Muni stops, you know, the, the, the crowd is 20 deep from the sidewalk, but when you're in the parade, you get to look up into the windows of the skyscrapers and you see a face in every window. I mean, it's just, it's a Canyon of people. And it, amazing. it really was special. So everybody's joyous. It's just an unbelievable uh, feeling. And it's, it's a weird feeling too, because you're riding in somebody else's parade, right? We had but nothing to do with it. Nothing, you had to, do nothing it. to do with it. And you're just sitting there. It's such a, it's a strange feeling. Right. Gopher Baroque says, Damon, thank you for saying what you did yesterday about the toxic 49er fandom. It needed to be said they needed to be called out. Can you reenact your yesterday take? Yeah, look, I mean, I, I even put it up as a standalone video on my channel, which you, you can go watch if you're interested, Larry. Feel free to become a, a member. Like and subscribe, Larry. Like and subscribe. Everybody. Like and subscribe. But look, it was uh, it was basically 70% of Niner fans are great football fans. But there is, it used to be like 10%. Now it's grown to as many as 30%. I would say three out of 10 Niner fans are absolute bitch-ass punks who don't know anything about football and are, you know, Grant Cone disciples, for the lack of a better way to describe them. All they want to do is... Uh, 49er fans could watch a 50-game winning streak. They lose game number 51, and they're like, well, you should bench that guy, and you should start Darnold, and you should fire Shanahan, and you should... I mean, just like... I mean, there is a level of assholery that is applied... <laughs> It's a great word to fandom that used to not be applied to fandom. I mean, there was look, here's the thing. It's just not a toxic. I mean, so I it's not, real. It's it's not, a, not everybody's voice was supposed to be heard. The internet chat rooms, Twitter, YouTube has allowed any voice, whether it be qualified or not to enter the conversation. And not everybody is, to not everyone's supposed to be in the conversation. Some people are just supposed to shut up and listen. And there are too many people who think that their desire to have things go their way all the time trumps reality. As we say all the time, this league is built to destroy success, to maintain success for a month in the NFL is an incredible accomplishment. Every four-game winning streak should be treasured in this league. That's how hard it is to win four or five games in a row. Shanahan has pulled off two five-game winning streaks in the same season. Going back to last year, at one point, there was a 16-game winning streak going on. Any way you want to measure it or chalk it up or look at it or examine it, including the embarrassing loss to the Baltimore Ravens, when you look at it, all of it, 
This is still one of the single greatest seasons that Kyle Shanahan has ever coached. Therefore, it's one of the single greatest 49ers seasons that a lot of this complaining crowd has ever seen. Most of the people complaining, Larry, I cannot help but notice that most of the people complaining weren't even around for the last Lombardi trophy in the 90s. You know, I mean, we, this, I mean what is there to complain about with Shanahan? Right. Their second, second in total offense. They most produced 400 yards. They wouldn't know a Lombardi trophy if you lubed it up and stuck it up their ass. They wouldn't even recognize it. They don't even, they act like they have a birthright to something they've never even been around for. And that is what drives me nuts about some of these overprivileged, over onlined, over. Well, they're so Niner centric. It's yeah. like, hey, guess what? Sometimes it ain't about you, sometimes it's about your opponent. And in this case, I thought there what happened Monday night was about really two two things. Lamar Jackson playing like the MVP and that that young defense coordinator McDonald having a terrific plan for the Niners. And if you can't credit people for being really, really special when they are, if you don't recognize it when it happens, it's like I can't help you. It's not, it's, it's not all, I mean, you can sit there and get mad at Brock Purdy through four, four interceptions. The Niners still move the ball, you know, at will on the ground in the air. They shot themselves in the foot. No, 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 no. Kyle got exposed. Brock Purdy got exposed. I know there's one word that I know to attach to losing and it's the word exposed. So I'm going to say that they got exposed, even though they out yardage and out averaged the, the, the Ravens in the game. And, you know, well, Kyle came in with the wrong game plan. Yeah. And they still had all those huge chunk plays in the first half. I mean, he know sometimes you have a bad day in this league. Sometimes you have a bad day in this league. And the Niners had a bad day. Well, the Probably old saying, the old saying is, "Hey, those guys get paid too, right?" You know, and 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 they had a great day. I mean, and I'm not I'm not trying to be an apologist for the Niners. Um, they're you know you win some, you lose some. Yeah. They didn't. They, they they you turn. You're not winning games when you turn it over five times and have a hundred plus yards and penalties. That's what happened in that game. By the Don't way, tell me that that's some recipe for you know how to beat the Niners um we're, we're gonna find out that to me is the one interesting angle in this game this weekend is is Kyle Vanoy right and the Ravens gave a blueprint to the rest of the league for them a template of how to beat the 49ers and now the Niners are going to be a lot more beatable or uh was that just the bounce of the ball a bad week and the Niners going to roll towards the Super Bowl we're going to find out if I were president of the internet Larry I would have one big, phrase. It's a big job. If you, it's a big job, but I'm just qualified to do it. I know it. Um, if you've ever typed this phrase, if you want to give yourself a litmus test, am I a piece of shit fan or not? If you've ever typed this phrase into a comment or a chat or a reply on YouTube or on Twitter or anywhere, if you've ever typed the phrase, that aged poorly, you should be banned from the internet forever. You're the dumbest fucking person in the world. Do you know that time is linear? And at the point, you know, when when this video was posted a month and a half ago, there was nothing aging. This video was not meant to age. It was meant to be enjoyed in the moment that it was being offered, as most sports analysis is. Right, right. 
This is not this is not a video. I was laughing how many people will bookmark stuff. It's like, do do you how how much free time do you have in your hands? Right. You're well, gonna come back and finish. Yeah. That really positive video about the excellent season Brock Purdy was having. I didn't say a word about it the five weeks in a row where he's literally burning defenses down to the ground. But the minute he has a bad game, that aged poorly. You fucking untalented, <laughs> unoriginal, marching with the dumbest phrase possible. As, this, soon, that, as soon as I predicted that Trey Lance was going to be traded, people would be like, this will be fun to come back to. It's like, yeah, yeah I, I, how fun is it now after he was traded? Uh, yeah, people are always looking for receipts and they're always looking to throw your face and throw, yeah. it, throw it in your face. Yeah, but that's the beauty. That's the beauty of it. That's all right. I, I, I can live with it. Um, the people, you know, keep, Larry, the people that keep receipts are the same people who've never picked up one tab. <laughs> right. Those are the people who keep receipts. Never paid for a dinner, but I keep receipts. I keep receipts. What did you say? Oh, yeah. Well, what can you say? What can you say? If you talk long enough and you give enough opinions, you're bound to be right. You're bound to be wrong. Right. So. Right. I've been talking extemporaneously into a microphone for over an hour a day for the better part of 20 years. Of course, I've gotten some things wrong. Nicotina says the Giants are front runners for Matt Chapman. Great. Awesome. They, have nice. already, they already have a good third baseman. His name's Casey Schmidt. They could use Bellinger, though. Um, What do you get cooking the rest of the day? So um, I'm going to tell you right now, I can keep on going here as long as you want, because I'm not going to be doing my 11 a.m. show today, Larry. My mom is starting to pull out of her been sick since she got here uh, uh, illness. Um, I am still a little spilkesy, but good enough to where hopefully my wife and the two kids, we're going to go have like a little afternoon somewhere, somehow in San Francisco, even though the weather is really not cooperating. But I am... Uh, I'm turning off my computer for the rest of the day. Those are my plans. And then I will sure. be back on with a vengeance. Uh, come two-minute warning of 49ers and commanders. I hope everyone decides to like and subscribe. And so then tomorrow, we'll too. You're off today and tomorrow. Well, what I'm going to be doing tomorrow is posting some of the videos that the incredibly talented, massively valuable Kevin Kruger is going to produce from today's wake up. So we'll, we, we will be posting things on the channel, but I don't think I'm going live until we get to that two minute warning again, unless something huge happens, in which case sure I'll hop on. But um, yeah, I, I think I, I haven't had much of uh, a, a vacation at all. I, you know, again, it's been no days off pretty much through the entire holidays. So I'm going to take the rest of this Friday and most of tomorrow and enjoy some time with the Duchess and the kids and my wife and good for you, man. Your husband good for you, yeah. It's, it's that time of year. Yeah. Uh, Jacob Anthony says fans that criticize the 49ers saying Kyle needs to be fired or Brock has been figured out after one loss are clearly waiting for their demise because they want their past opinions to be correct. Yeah, that's it. That is it. Bingo. Ding, 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 ding. Jacob Anthony has answered the question. Thank you, Jacob. Good job, Jacob. Do you uh, have any star? Do we have any uh, super chats that you need to get to here, Larry? No, I know we, you well, have we've a got a few. You. We have a few that we already got to. We got this one too. Stay greasy says, "Can we talk about the Giants for a second? Um, They're not doing enough. What do you What do you want to talk about? We want, we've got four hundred people in the room right now. Do we want to chase them out uh, by talking about that what the Giants aren't doing? Um, 
all I got to say is the Giants better get get rolling. <laughs> Otherwise, I mean, they were the, one of the worst offensive teams in all of baseball last year. And I don't see that. That that doesn't look like it's going to be a change in anytime soon. They no, the, seem- the biggest the biggest move that the Giants have made so far this year is Juan Soto's no longer a division opponent. But unfortunately, now look at the Dodgers. So the Padres don't even matter anymore. No, it's it's a disaster. Yeah, it's a disaster. It's a disaster. Uh, we'll see. I mean, people say, oh, you know, you're always ripping the Giants. I'm always ripping the Giants because the Giants don't do anything. Um, and then they when they sign the KBO hitter, I'm just skeptical whether he's going to be good. Um, but um, I do think that if they signed, you know, if they sign a Reese Hoskins, I'll do a whole show about how I think it's great. If uh, they sign Cody Bellinger, I'll do a whole show why it's great. But I won't just tell you it's great if I don't think it's great. Right. And uh, by the way, if they do sign Cody Bellinger, I'll give you a whole bunch of reasons why that's going to be a terrible contract when it's all said and done. They all are, though. I mean, are you telling me that the $113 million for the KBO hitter is going to be good? Well, at least I don't know. Maybe that might be. I'm telling you, Cody Bellinger gave you an illusion at Wrigley Field more than he gave you a, this is who I am now. Supposedly, the well, I don't know. I mean, he hit 300. It seems like everybody else in baseball hit 200 last year. But it was a hit. Did hit a bunch of home runs. He did hit a, just steal a bunch of bases. Doesn't hit the ball hard at all, Larry. A lot of CNI, CNI, CNI dribblers and singles. Very good. He's the Giants' player. most fearsome hit, hitter by far. That's scary. I mean, think about it's it. That's an indictment on them, not an indictment on him. I'm just saying. Uh, Lyle Bolliard says Ravens don't scare me. Five turnovers and their total is 33 points. I hope they do meet in the Super Bowl. See, there kinda, you go. That's a, I kind of would. I wouldn't mind that as well. I wouldn't mind a Niners Ravens rematch in Vegas. JJ Raider, we're, I'm going to wrap up here because I've got. I'm going at 10:45 with Chase Senior. I'll be on the radio today at two, um, and then I'm going to shut it down till tomorrow morning. The coach is going to stop by tomorrow morning, and then I'll be back after Niners and uh, Commanders. By the way, the coach that you have on isn't the same coach that you used to have on back in your sports byline days, right? No, that's that's my my old buddy. The coach back in those days was the great Biller Bannock. Okay, who, who's no longer with us. He's uh, he's in the the football uh, film watching room in the sky. But uh, yeah, he, we, he, well, we let worked. me let me let me get in for JJ Raider here and ask the question in a trend bulkyish kind of way. Ralph, what would you say you had most in common? With Mike Tyson. <laughs> you always got to go there, Chet. You think you're going to embarrass me? You're not going to embarrass me. I bet you Mike like tennis. I like tennis. I know Mike likes pizza. I like pizza. Mike likes Amici's. I like Amici's. Tate does too. So does Tommy. We all do. And, you know, I always get extra olives. And when I go to the Giants game, I get the garlic fries. And then I ask him for a brown bag. Because if you put them in a brown bag, what I found out, Chet, is that the flavor really sinks in. And then when you bring it to the studio, you can, it really, it waffles over the rest of the studio. <laughs> That's a walk-off, folks. <laughs> a great weekend. Larry and I will both be back at it. Uh, Monday at 8 a.m., wake up, and hopefully we're going to be talking about a big win over the Commanders because 
that, that 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 should be up for the 49ers. There should be a get right game in DC against an inferior opponent, but dangerous still because they got nothing to lose. There's no reason for them to not throw the entire playbook at the 49ers. Um, expect flea flickers, expect end arounds, expect all kinds of goofy nonsense, fake punt, onside kick. Be ready for it all. Riverboat Ron should be on full display, but so should the 49ers overwhelming talent. I think they win big over the commanders. There you go. There's a myriad of opinions that we're going to share vis-a-vis the microphone, vis-a-vis this YouTube channel, vis-a-vis Damon's fandom. Um, All right. Hey, by the way, thanks to New York-style Italian sausage. One of the only kind of Italian sausage I eat is New York-style Italian sausage. Uh, Thank you to Pig and a Pickle, the title sponsor of the Krug Show. Love Damon and Mary. We had a great time out there. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to all the good people of Pig and a Pickle. Marin Auto Glass, my man Saeed, big sponsor of the show. Thanks to Marin Auto Glass. Thanks to Underdog Fantasy and Mojo Fantasy for sponsoring the Krug Show. Make sure you check that link in the description. Use that promo code Krug, K-R-U-E-G, and they will match you up to your first $100. Damon, anybody you'd like to thank yeah, on the sponsor look. side before we bolt for the door? Love to channel. Love to Ike's. Ike's is our main sponsor here. And uh, get yourself a b- delicious sandwich at Ike's. Think about maybe picking up a burger at Uncle Boy's in the inner Richmond. Uh, you want to make any wagers? Mybookie.ag. Use promo code Damon there. And... Uh, Outside of that, boy, if you got a knee that's barking at you, Dr. Paul Hughes, go to orthopedicsurgeries.com for cellular replacement therapy, which is a serious, serious option to take other than uh, surgery, which could really, really set you back. Uh, so orthopedicsurgeries.com to see what Dr. Paul Hughes can do for you. Larry, thank you. I'll tell you what the audience can do for me. If four of your subscribers who are not subscribed to me, hit that subscribe button right now. I'll officially be at 15,000 subscribers. So I'm four away from 15,000. Hit that subscribe, hit that like button. Uh, Larry and I both offering memberships, be a part of what I think is really one of the best pairings you're going to find anywhere on YouTube. As always, Larry, a total pleasure. Can't wait to see what Kevin pulls out of this one today. Um, Will he do a segment on 49ers Super Bowl memories uh, that, that you and I provided? A lot of good old KNBR stories that people loved. Uh, the chat really liked hearing some old radio, uh, you know, g- g- war stories. So thank you very, very much for listening and tuning in, supporting what Larry and I are doing. And again, Larry, congratulations on the new neon sign behind you. That thing looks awesome. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Uh, and thanks to all the, uh, you know, the subs on our end, 32,560. Thanks to all of you. Have a great day. For Damon, I'm Larry. Peace. Peace. <laughs>